Hello, and welcome to 10 Very Big Books, a Malazan read-through podcast. My name is Peter Bond. I've read every book in the main series, and with me today is my friend and closest confidants who are reading the series for the first time. That's right, it's uh, India Jones. How are you, my friend? Hey, hey, hello. Um, I'm well. It's over. It's over. It. Another one Another one bites the dust. Um, Absolutely. AJ Faleri. Yes, hello. I, I'm here. I was waiting for, for something more. Hi, how's it going? Um, it's going good. I have a bit of a headache. Um, Joshua Dean Baker. <laughs> it seems like there's a nickname on the tip of your tongue. I was giving you a moment to come out with it. Always leave them one and more. That's a bit of showbiz advice. <laughs> oh, you know? okay, okay. That's fair. That's fair. Hello. We have finished up Book 8, Toll the Hounds. Wow. And... Here we are, going to discuss the exciting conclusion of Steven Erickson's eighth blah, 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 blah. Okay. Listen, this is a very, very long ending. A lot of stuff happened. Mm-hmm. So I think we should legitimately start the show right now. This is Peter's <laughs> call. So I second that motion. You know what? Sure. Let's let's get into it. We don't need to talk. You know what? Actually, let's before we move on, everybody, let's say your favorite AJ, I would really opening prefer, bit. AJ, I prefer if you could follow parliamentary procedure. I seconded it. Now I, we need to see if there's if the if the group if the floor agrees. I third. Thank you, uh, India. India thirded. That's, that's it. That's majority. I, and that's I abstain. That's the majority. G- gavel, gavel, gavel. <laughs> so say we all. All right. Um. Let's start. Okay. Chapter twenty. Chapter twenty two. Chapter twenty two. Karsa, Traveler, and Samar near Darujistan. The city glows, and they approach it now on foot, leaving havoc behind. Karsa mentions that the bear god might still be following them. As Kalor nears Darujistan, Spinak Durav appears and warns him that the city is not for him. Namander and the others find a rift of black water that is flecked with pure crawled galane. They will be able to use this to reach black coral. Namander is worrying about the plan when Clip rushes through first. Nananda follows and her throat is slipped by Clip. Next is Namander. He wanders through the darkness. He hears Fade's voice. His blood-stained hands call. Arantha. Saland believes she will kill the Redeemer. She is lying on the ground, with Samin Kellick leaking from her. Monkrat and Spindle see Gratathan, and then decide it is time to get the kids out of the camp. Seer Daman stands before the Redeemer, and they speak of the dying god and Saland. Seer Daman is urged to go forth and fight on behalf of love and his friend Spinach Durav. Picker finally stops her strange journey and sees a large wagon plunging towards her. Endus Salan thinks of Animander Rake, and Salana is almost ready to strike. Karsa, Traveler, and Samar approach the city. Samar erects walls in her mind and together they see the moon has shattered above them. Chillbase has followed Traveler and declares that he is here 
Decimal Tour is here. In the streets, Cotillion approaches Traveler, and they begin to speak. Karsa stops Samar from hearing what they said. Traveler cries out in sorrow, and then proceeds further into the city. In Dragnapur, Draconis and Pearl watch as the Chaos Army approaches and the world is imperiled. Apsalara is going to try to escape through the gate when Hood arrives. Hood has struck a deal with Animander Rake, and Hood calls forth his armies of death. We see the bridge burners, Iskar Jarek, the second Segula, and more riding forth to fight. As we start chapter 22, I just want to say shouts out to India because I saw a post on Reddit the other day about fantasy series you tried and could not finish. And someone said they had just finished Toll the Hounds on Reddit and uh, they could not go any further. And I was like, you're so close. How could you drop? And then I was like, "Uh, we don't give that option to India, though. It's kind of mean of us (laughs) because this guy was very, very anti-Malazan. And I just I could not stop. It was like hours of me being like, we're holding her hostage in a way. And I I do feel a little bad about it. But thank you, India, for being here. It's funny you mentioned that. Um, I didn't want to announce this on the show, but this will be my last season. <laughs> nice. I'm I, I'm so confused how you can say you hate Malazan and you've read eight of the fucking book. Like your out was was five books ago, my guy. Like I'm I'm also confused because I think this is one of the better ones by a long shot, in my opinion. Yeah. Listen, that sounds like something to talk about in the mailbag. And hey. I will say. India should, of course, leave the show at any time if she wants to. So my official opinion. But <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah um, I, we're not holding you hostage. Yeah, I reject, I, I, I reject that claim. Yeah. I often <laughs> I, 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 we, we obviously cherish having you on the show, India. But if this is causing you any physical pain, then please, please feel free. Um, but sure. However, h- however, you would have to draft a replacement. And then maybe if you could try two weeks and, notice, two weeks notice. Um, There's an extensive kinda, training as well. There's, yes. ex, there is an extensive training. And actually, if you could, if you wouldn't mind just staying on through the next two seasons, yeah. I think that would really help the show. Maybe it's like a cons- um, maybe in a consultant role. Right. Well, in a consultant role. Yeah, we can need- discuss that. Let's discuss that. Um, my contract uh, later. Yeah. yeah. The thing is, we've already negotiated the contract. Okay, let's start. <laughs> All right. Uh, so whew, the chapter starts. Everyone's headed to Darujistan in this chapter. And we check in and we see Karsa, Traveler, and Samar. And then we also see Kalor going. I want to start, though, with kind of the confrontation with Clip that happens earlier on in this chapter. They're trying to step through this uh, crawled g- glane. Mm-hmm. And um, Nananda dies, mm-hmm. and then kind of they're being confronted. This is the start of kind of the clip stuff, and they also learn about them being dragons in a sense. India, were you surprised by Nananda's death, and did you care about her passing? Was I surprised? I guess, yeah, like, but also no. This book has been really heavy on the like important people deaths, which I say I feel like every time kind of, but no, this one has been like carelessly just like, okay, yeah, now he's dead. Mm. So also I always had a really hard time with this, with this group of people. They really aggravated me. Mm -hmm. So, you know, 
I just feel like it was time to leave a long time ago, and this probably could have been avoided. What do you mean by time to leave? Like, I would have never been... I feel like early on, I may have been like, I should probably not be here with these psychopaths. Clip is a mm-hmm. psycho. I should just maybe go off into the woods, walk into the mountains, you know? Yeah. Am I crazy? If it sucks, hit the bricks, you know? That's what they say. Exactly. Um, well, I agree. It doesn't seem like a great hang. I would <laughs> so, I would have not spent a lot of time. Well, that's to say, I guess, no, I'm not. Su- well, yes, I'm surprised. And no, I'm not sad. New character that I didn't really vibe with. And I don't really vibe with any of them with that mm-hmm. group. I'd like to go on the record that I think actually my problem with this group is that like the three dudes have very easy to distinguish like simple personality traits. And then the three girls are written as I mean, as obtuse as possible. Like you cannot understand what they're doing literally fucking whenever. And that has driven me crazy for many chapters. Women. Am I right? Kind of is how it feels no, sometimes. No, no, because one, because right, one is one is you know being inhabited by a fucking goddess, right? And then one, her only personality tra- trait is that she it, like clings to men. And then the third one died. Mm. I can't remember anything about her. They just buried her. A couple chapters ago. You're not wrong. What was her name? Desra. Was it Desra? Desra feels also forgotten. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck off. Shit. Got him. <laughs> Feels bad. The disrespect. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's keep it cruising. That was pretty cool when 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 uh, Faye was like, "Hey, you can turn into a dragon." I thought that was you cool. can turn. I mean, it makes sense. I mean, it makes right? sense. Yeah, but I just never it never crossed my mind. Yeah, probably because it's like hardly been talked about, and we mm-hmm. we don't know anything about it. That's that's probably why. Ha. <laughs> yeah. I bet it'll be important in a book from now. <laughs> Maybe. But- Maybe. You know what, India? I would bet that you're right. AJ, we see a little bit about what's going on with Salon, too. I'd say all this uh, Salmon Kellic imagery is just, like, gross and mm. in a good way, you know? Yeah, it's extremely evocative uh, and, and, and very horrifically written about. <laughs> yeah, I find it affecting. But I did want to check in with you and everyone about this kind of, because now that we you kind of see what's going on, about kind of the late emergence of Spindle as a part of this whole storyline. Mm. And what do you think about that? And we talk, we briefly talked about it last time, but I think now you understand he's like here. He's a part of this ending in a sense. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I always kind of like these points of views of like the soldier who like doesn't really know anything but how to be a soldier and is kind of wrestling with that which i feel like is most of the bridge burners but like very specifically usually like fiddler so like i'm i'm happy to have that kind of uh uh like storyline in this book i don't know i thought it was interesting to have monk rat kind of come around and and you know uh uh deal with all that stuff and uh what when he was talking to spindle and he says like i he he sees like a three-legged dog or something like limping or whatever and then at the end of that section it's like oh he's not limping he's running or or something i can't find that you're a damned hound of shadow is what you are yeah that's what it was i don't know i thought that was that was kind of neat loved loved to persevere love to have characters who persevere (laughs) so it's a great yeah he he is trudging through yeah but uh I, i i mean as far as like spindle as like a larger piece um i don't know i i didn't really feel a whole lot about it i do kind of wish we got more of their relationship like spindle and Monkrat. i wish that stuff kind of happened a little earlier 
so that it could actually kind of turn into something and not just like Spindle showing up and being like, hey, this guy sucks. And Munkrat being like, yeah, you're right, actually. I always thought that. But thank goodness someone is here to tell me. Uh, and then they kind of join forces. I don't know. I Like, I, I think it's a nice storyline. I just kind of wish it was a little more developed or just like had more time to to breathe. I don't know. Sure. I kind of got that. I do have a sense of like, why now? Is it just because it's right. the ending of the book? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. We needed the chi- um, we needed to feel not bad about the children dying when the the dragon destroys this place. So someone needs to get them out. Yeah. Um. Good point, Josh. Yeah. But it was um, it was just, sorry, just really it was just like a really interesting uh, or it was just like a really kind of sudden heel turn for Monkrat to be like I've been thinking this the whole time, but you just didn't know. Which is like okay, I don't know, it feels weird, but okay. It's actually a face turn. Oh, is yeah. is there a difference between a heel turn and a you, face turn? Yeah, that's a wrestling yeah. phrase. Heel to turns to your turning towards being a bad guy. Yeah, and faces are the good wrestlers. Whoa. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. That's what that phrase is from. That's wild. Learn something new every day. Clearly, you guys didn't have a weird middle school wrestling phase. No, I did wrestling once in second grade and got ringworm from the mat. And my mom said, nope. No, <laughs> no. I'm talking about like normal. a weird phase. That's disgusting. I meant like a phase in middle school where you got really into professional wrestling. And oh, it. oh, yeah. yeah no. No, 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 no. Josh, you were a professional wrestler in middle school? Yeah. Nice. All right. Uh, so, Josh, an element of this final seer domain plot is him feeling motivated about the theoretical love between Saland and Spinak Durov. What do you feel about this motivation and do you, does their love resonate in your heart in the way it resonates in Seer Domin's heart? I didn't think about it too hard. I did. I liked it. I enjoyed it. I feel like Spinok Durov and that nightly game was like the only thing stopping Seer Domin from just like fucking killing himself. So, uh, I, you know, like anything, he would do anything for the person who like gave him that reason, that will to live. So, I mean, I, I thought it was pretty impactful to me. I liked it. Sad that he's fucking dead afterwards, you know? <laughs> yes. But um, also like he was going to be a sad boy forever. And like, at least he gave his life doing a cool thing. And that's probably a what? better ending for him. No, bad take, Josh. What do you mean? <laughs> bad take. He could. No. Okay. <laughs> I, I got to cut of that take off in the neck. Okay, okay. He was depressed, so it's good he died doing something. He felt good about himself as he did it, you know? I don't know. I feel like it, I feel like Seer Domin could have had a better ending then, but... It is possible. You're, you're right. You're right. What if he started a small business, you know? That's hysterical. Oh, Seer Dominoes. Seer just Dominoes. Saying, Fuck thank off. Thank you, AJ. Jesus Christ. They're, they're kind of the engine of our economy, you know? Yeah. Anyway. So we see Picker. Did you guys know where she was going? Yeah, immediately, Peter. 100%. <laughs> wow. I do. You know what? I do ask you guys some questions like that sometimes. Feels like the real fucking mistake, you know? Um, I mean, when I saw the care, actually, actually, I think I did because she needed to find Gr- Gruntle and then the carriage showed up and I was like, oh, I, I did have the thought of, oh, they're being led by an undead guy sent by Hood. They're all going to, they're, they're going to go to where Gruntle and them are or something. Mm-hmm. I did kind of feel like that was what was going to happen, but I didn't know why. So. All right. Um, India. So obviously the whole Samar dev uh, kind of witch burn stuff has kind of been slowly developing towards the end of this book. And here, Karst is kind of giving her some advice about how to channel that. Um, how much of this interests you? Do you like this new form? And obviously, she kind of uses some of these powers later on. I love it. I love Samar and Karsa. And I think Samar needed more. I don't know. 
Her storyline was is really interesting. It's one of like I like her a lot because I I don't know. I just like her and Carson together. So I think it's cool and fun and that's it. Well, let's take a step further then. So I think there's, you know, she her magic is obviously kind of flavored a little differently, you know, and it's like kind of this different type of stuff. And I wonder what you make of this kind of mix of the magical mystical with her like inventor civilization progress realm i feel like they're kind of this overlap of these two things do you feel like they both kind of like mix in a good way or are clashing for her Mm, i would say i'm not sure i think they mix in a in a good way yeah i i think so too in my mind they should clash but i don't i don't know question dude (laughs) okay no i'm just saying i'm just a a real thinker yeah, I'm trying to. Th- yeah, it is. It's a good question. Uh, it's really. I, I feel like they make sense for her. All right, I guess we'll leave it there. Um, <laughs> scooching on a bit. They also see. Sorry, they also see that the moon is shattered. We really just don't even talk about that much in this chapter. It's kind of ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what are you gonna do about it, Josh? <laughs> Especially yeah. when a fucking new one shows up. You kidding me? <laughs> yeah, what'd you guys make of that? Uh, I got it. I wouldn't want to live here. <laughs> you would move. I would move. Well, I know. I don't. I mean, on the entire world. Mm. If our moon blew up, I would just I'd, peace. I'll be. What hurt. if the moon? What if the moon fell? Probably That's, die. That seems like a bigger problem. Yeah. No. All right. Just me. Okay. Well, that, like, that movie. Something? That movie. The, thank you, yeah. AJ. No, for I don't want to talk about moonfall. Fuck off. I was waiting for India to catch my new moon Twilight reference. I didn't hear it. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> I mean, it is a reference, but Josh, there also is a new moon. So like. <laughs> yeah, but. <laughs> No, Stephanie Myers made that idea. Exactly. Oh, shit. Wow. So they get further in the city and the traveler is really making his way into the city. It's a whole thing. We're going to talk more about it. And um, we also explicitly hear from Chill Bayes that he is Dasim Altor, which, of course, we knew, but is kind of explicitly confirmed here before. Mm -hmm. So then Traveler and Cotillion have a conversation. Anyone have any thoughts about this conversation? Interest in this conversation? I thought it was interesting um, because, I mean, as uh, later on in the chapter, to me, I think it was the, the conversation was actually like, you're going to have to kill Andamanda Rake. And what I thought initially was them going into the thing, I thought Cotillion was being like, you can't go and kill Anamander Rake. But it was actually the opposite. And Traveler was upset that he was going to have to do it and not upset that Cotillion was trying to stop him. Mm hmm. So I thought that was good. It was a nice bluff. It really kind of kept me on my toes. I, I am curious, though, because in the scene later where he does kill Anamander, he says it wasn't supposed to be like this. So I'm curious if he was told it was supposed to end in a different way. You know what I mean? Mm. It seemed like he felt like he was tricked in some way because then he left the city afterwards. Well, there was something weird that happened with the sword that we're never really told of like, yeah. it shouldn't have stabbed him. Yeah, so something I, weird happened. Yeah. yeah, so something weird happened. And I think Traveler or, you know, whatever, Dasim, whatever you want to call him, I guess. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't read that line, Josh, as okay. he was tricked. Okay. That's not my reading. Yeah. But I do want to say, Peter, you asked if we were interested in this conversation. And let me tell you, as someone that loves the tea, if there's a conversation I don't get to hear, I'm much more interested in it than a conversation <laughs> I am able to hear. <laughs> it's all I'll think about. 
Well, especially if someone's standing right next to you and it's like, Josh, no. Exactly. You can't listen. Exactly. Oh, I'm desperate. <laughs> take, take no step further. All right, let's let's come let's come here towards the ex I'm trying to think about how to frame it. Dragnipur. <laughs> perfect. That's the perfect way. Yeah. Um, Do you want to, we could workshop some entrances for that? Do you want? Dragnipur. RuPaul's Dragnipur. Swing into the sword we Shwing. go. <laughs> you didn't hear I said RuPaul's Dragnipur. Nice. Yeah, I I shot that down. Okay. That was, okay. That was India, not you got me. one? Swing. I liked your swing. Oh, wait, I have good. A, uh, uh, Dragnipur. I hardly know her. Uh, <laughs> mm. <laughs> <laughs> so we go into Dragnipur, and needless to say, the situation's a bit unstable. And we also have some exciting moments as uh, various people arrive. Everyone, you mean? Everyone arrives. Josh, what was this like? How, how did you feel? You know, I felt about it pretty much exactly the same as I did in that moment in the Avengers Endgame, which is that yeah. I, it was... It, they wanted it to be much cooler than I felt it was. <laughs> what? Is that is that really how you felt? Little bit, yeah. I mean, I, I think the coolest thing for me was when Talk describes stuff later, but like I knew they were all coming. You know what I mean? Like I think I would have felt cooler if I had been like a rampant, like I need to read the last seven chapters of this in one sitting kind of deal. But where we like break it up, I kind of had a whole week of knowing that they were all going to go there. Mm. Um, so I think that kind of tempered my interesting take on it. But like it was cool. The Segula are sick. Even even like the 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 Trigal Trade Guild ended up there and stuff. Like you knew well, we're that. not there yet. Right now it's just the it's just the army hood arrives. Dead. All right, yeah. fair enough, fair enough. Actually, you know what was cool was Hood telling him to turn the wagon around because that made no fucking yeah, sense dude. to me. That was pretty cool. Turn I like that, that wagon around. Yeah. Um, in India. Good to see you go. How did it land on you? Similarly, I felt. I don't know. It was like it was cool. It wasn't bad. It was it was cool. I liked seeing the the people, and I agree that Sigula are cool. Yeah, I was absolutely hyped up. Love this moment. Love this ending <laughs> in a lot of ways. And I'm always, I'm like, hell yeah, they're all here, gang. Right. And they're just fucking rolling in. You're like, oh, it's this guy. Boom, it's this guy. You know, everyone's here. It's a party. Yeah, it was, it's it a was party. Cool. I did love this moment right before this with Absalara being like, and then I'll get out and everyone will think I'm so cool. Uh, yes. I love that bit. I really, really liked that bit. It, what we see of Absalara here is pretty funny, usually. Mm -hmm. Yeah, her whole her whole kind of thing is pretty silly. Yeah. Um, uh, and I feel like it is played as such. I don't actually feel like oh, we're asked yeah. to believe she's like the most serious thief of all time or something. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. No, I don't think so. Why do you think he did that? I, I, feel, like, I feel like it's just... So I guess she's a comedy god, you know? Yeah, it's interesting. I Because I, I wouldn't even say the stuff that happens within the sword is particularly, like, dour. Like, all the Cataspala and Ditch stuff is also kind of good. Like, in the sword is kind of like uh, like a farce, in a way. You know, like, there's always, like, what crazy antics are we getting into this time, mm -hmm. in, in a way. But, but, like, you know, there is this looming form of chaos in the distance, but also, like, Drag uh, Draconis doesn't want Ditch to move, so he breaks his spine. Like, that's hilarious. 
All right. Uh, I'm, I guess I'm not seeing it from the angle you're seeing it. I did not find that stuff funny. Well, but. instead of being like, hey, don't move. He's like, OK, well, he's, he's going to try and move. So I'm just going to fucking like turn the turn the slider all the way to fucking 25. Like, you know, there's there's no middle ground between like do this or don't. It's like you are going to do this and I'm going to fucking break your spine. I don't know. It's pretty, pretty silly to me. I guess I just don't have your twisted sense of humor, you know? <laughs> yeah, I'm a big family guy head. <laughs> um, well, we can talk a little bit this more later on. Obviously, it's not fully over yet. Mm-hmm. I just think it rules and Josh is wrong. So, <laughs> all right, let's shuffle along to chapter 23. But before we do, we want to thank everyone who supports us on Patreon. All right, this week, we'd like to thank these patrons. We've got N.B. Cardle. Aaron's, we don't say last names. No last names. Matt, Anna with the double N, and Brian. Thank you all so much. By the time this goes up, there should be a new uh, uh, patron episode with me, Pete, and Josh talking about tabletop role-playing games and actual play media and all that stuff. So if you're interested in that, $1 on the Patreon will get you access to all that and our previous patron bonuses as well. Uh, thank you to all our current patrons. And let's get to the next chapter. Chapter 23. The ox tears through Darugistan, and Iskarl Pus leaves the Temple of Shadow. Pallet and Baron, two hounds, chase each other through the city and destroy where Barathol is imprisoned. Chower strikes one of the hounds and gets an axe to Barathol, but Chower is badly wounded. Barathol sees this as Ansi breaks out and asks where a healer is. Ralik and Torvald stand together, looking out across the chaotic city. The moon shattered above them. Torvald jokes about Vorkan. Then she shows up and they speak about finding Baruch. Scorch and Leth set off to find the Hounds of Shadow. Cutter walks through the city, thinking of Absalar. Meanwhile, Chalice stands on her rooftop, looking at the sky, holding a globe in her hands. Cutter, holding the lance, thinks of stabbing it through Shadow Throne. Chalice reflects on the choices she has made recently. Cutter, almost reaching Chalice's estate, wants to tell her about Gorolas, and then tell her that Cutter will leave the city. Chalice looks into the globe, and then lets it tumble off of her hands. Then she jumps off the tower. Krupp leaves the Phoenix Inn, thinking on Anamander Rake. Barathol and Ansi arrive, asking Baruch for help, but he dismisses them, and they must go elsewhere. Chower's mind goes to an unknown place. Barathol and Ansi end up near Cole's estate and take Chower's body to the gate of the Azath house. They speak to Raced and see a Talani mass wrapped up in the garden. Chower's body is in stasis, but his mind continues to wander. Envy and spite make a temporary truce. Anamander is weak and they move to go strike at him and claim Dragnipper. Traveler comes upon Andamander Rake kneeling. Samar Dev and Karsa watch, 
Traveler does not want to fight Animander, but he must, and a duel begins. Cultists to the Lord of Tragedy watch, chanting. Hundreds of ravens flutter and watch the battle. The swords dance and the two battle until Traveler deflects Dragnipper into Rake. Animander falls. Ravens swarm over him. Traveler cries out. The moon fills Darugistan with light as the Hounds of Light arrive. They have come to find Dragnipur, and Tullishorn tracks them from above. Iskarlpust and Krupp meet, both on the back of mules, and yet another great duel occurs. Samar watches two women and a rider with a lance approach. Baruch weeps for Animander Rake. Cutter approaches the body and asks Samar how this happened. Karsa says they must speak to Traveler. As the Hounds of Light approach, Cutter introduces himself as Crocus Younghand. Nearby, Spite and Envy unleash their warrens on the Hounds of Shadow. Spinnock is holding Kalor off in a ferocious duel. After a while, Kalor strikes him down and they speak. Spinnock hopes he can find peace, and then Kalor says he will give Spinnock a clean death. Then two dragons emerge from the sky. One grabs Kalor and the other lands. It is Korlat who helps him to heal. Kalor manages to wound the other dragon, Orphantal, in the sky, and they both plunge back to the ground. Kalor, wounded, gets up and continues towards the city. Josh, what's up with this ox? Love this. It's a me- Pete. <laughs> Pete. It's a metaphor. It's a metaphor. Okay, for it's a metaphor. From yeah, you know. Okay. I think it's a uh, metaphor. I think if you do, I think if you don't get it, having explained to you isn't <laughs> going to help. So we may well just move on. I see. I see. You know, explaining it is kind of like the ox. You know, it is kind of like the ox. That's you know? that's so ox. <laughs> you know, life's kind of like an ox when you think about it. Mm-hmm. It's got mm-hmm. flies. It meanders. It meanders. It's there when you need it. There you go. And then it's not, and you're dead. It's a heavy, yeah. heavy burden to carry. Mm. So, India, these uh, <laughs> the the hounds are fighting. The hounds of shadow. It is, and then Sh- Chower here is. This is where he gets injured. This was very confusing for me. Yeah, it was a bit of a bit of a brawl, a clusterfuck, mm-hmm. if you will. A clusterfuck, <laughs> if you will. Um, I feel like this is uh, one of the rare times we see the Hounds of Shadows like full power unleashed in a sense. Like the Hounds are out. Well, what did you make of this? I feel like before we really hear people talk about the Hounds of Shadows a lot, of course, we see the remnants of their attack in Gardens of the Moon. So, yeah, they're little vicious puppies, but that's it. They're cute and I love them. And if they ever made a movie, I wouldn't want to see it because... I hate the sound of the little art that just happens so frequently oh. in this ending. I thought you were going to say you hate that you would hate the sound of like 
like a line like this, uh, even as Pallet crushed in its jaws the head of the last guard. Like I thought you'd say something. No, no, I would. Like I don't mind that. Skull. I'm, okay, I'm team. Right. I'm team hounds. They're well, badass. Want, I love. She them. doesn't want the dogs right, right, to get right. hurt. You know. Right. Yeah. yeah. No, I'm all about the hounds. They're they're amazing. <laughs> to be fair, when dogs do make the like bad bad impression, oh. it is a sad sound. You know. It's, it's the saddest sad. of sounds. Do cats make that sound? They scream. Yeah, they yeah, scream. Yeah, so cats is kind of a more angry, kind of like trying to intimidate yeah. kind of thing. Like that. Yeah. Kind of thing. Oh, yeah. you're no, right. You're they're right. Like scared. It's sad. It's yeah. still very sad. Yeah. But Chower is injured. And yep. then, uh, oh, yeah. my, previously so. Yes, pretty badly. So then they kind of enter a scrambling state to try and help out. Yeah. Which we'll follow up when in a second. Mm hmm. And then uh, we kind of cut up to the roofs where Torvald and Ralik are kind of looking down on the city and catching up. AJ, which one of these cousins do you like more? Oof. I think I like Torvald more. I think Ralik is the cooler cousin, but I think I would like to hang out with Torvald. Oh, for uh, sure. For sure. He's just, you know, he's just a fun guy, you know. Yeah, Ralik does not seem like a fun hang, despite him no. being a part of the Phoenix Inn hangout crew. Right. Yeah, I wouldn't say Ralik's really there to hang out. He's just there because it's like like convenient or something or like that's where all of his allies are. He's not there for like the hangs. Yeah. And they're kind of watching over the chaos together. And there's a little bit more of this moon imagery, um, of course. And there's some of it with Chalice later. What do you make of this moon imagery, AJ? Obviously, it's kind of paralleling with the first book, Darugistan, the Gardens of the Moon, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I mean, we've got it, it parallels that. It also parallels last book when the moon exploded. Of course. Um, I'm, I, is this happening concurrently is that what this is supposed to indicate or no they couldn't have because carson stuff see the moon explode in that part aren't they all in the boats when they see quick ben protect them from like getting crushed by moon bits am i wrong uh, i thought carson had already left the story i thought they were all in the boats in at that point because that's boat that's bone hunters you're correct you're correct so they're they're arriving at yeah he's on the Lethris tasty eatership stuff. yeah 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 so now I'm confused as to why we didn't see a different blown up moon. Is this another moon? How many moons does this planet have? Um, no comment. All right. Um, yeah, I uh, no. I mean, it's obviously interesting. I think, um, you know, if, if we're going like pure, pure imagery or whatever, like the moon is a constant presence and it always looks the same. But then as soon as you see it and, you know, it's it's blown open, like, you know, no holds barred and everything change. Everything's changing, you know? So I think, you know, symbolically, I think this is like, you know, there's no turning back now. Everything is different in terms of like where we are in the books. But I also just want to know what's going on with the moon. Hmm. It's interesting because like I don't want to skip ahead. I don't remember when that happens, but like the hounds of light come from the moon. Right. Or do they just the moon, the moon gets really bright and then they show up. Am I am I remembering that wrong? Well, it's because the, they were in darkness before because they had they had supernaturally created a field of curled galane and then the light reflected from the moon broke through that and allowed got the house to teleport. Got it, got it, got it. Because okay, there was I no, had... there was zero light. That's where the fires couldn't spread because there was no right. light. Right. Okay, I had mis, I guess misremembered or misread that. 
And I was just a little confused. Okay, so now I'm just I'm just straight up confused about the moon. I just want to know what's going on with the moon. So that's that's where I'm that's where I'm at with the moon. I think that's very reasonable. <laughs> what's Pete, going you look on like you're laughing with the moon? <laughs> yeah. You know what I think about whenever there's moon shit, AJ, mm. is uh, the fucking jade hands full of alien people. Huh? Yeah, dude. Remember, remember I, them I'm, from four books ago? I, I do, as a matter of fact, and I <laughs> am just <laughs> waiting for them to show up, I guess. Yep. Me too. <laughs> we see Scorch and Left a little bit, doing a little bit of fighting. We check uh-huh. in with Cutter as he is kind of marching through the city and he is talking about uh, kind of how reckless it was for Shadow Throne to let loose the Hounds of Shadow in the city. What do you think, AJ? Reckless decision? Maybe it depends what the goal is. I like, you know, if the goal is to wreak havoc, then then no, that's the perfect decision. But, you know, if the goal was to just like have a dog party or something, then no, this is a bad idea. You know, to stay in the dog park. I, I think it's pretty silly for Cutter to say, like, this was a reckless move because like he doesn't know what's going on. You know, it's reckless because people die, I guess, which like. Uh, yeah, I, I guess think that like, is true, though, that it, I know. But to yeah. say something is reckless, I feel like you're like commenting on on the end goal of like, you know, it's reckless to for, for this to be a step in your plan. But like, he doesn't even know what the plan is. Yeah, I feel like reckless implies that there's a chance it could backfire in some way. You know what I mean? Like it could ruin the plan, not really the damage it causes along the way. Mm. I guess we'll just have to disagree with this one, gang. Yeah, I'll just look it up. Reckless. <laughs> the definition of reckless? Without um, thinking or caring about the consequences of an action. That sounds like Shadow Throne all the way down. Yeah, I guess he is reckless. So I guess I guess he is reckless, yeah. So the thing is, Cutter's kind of making his way through the city to mm-hmm. go and talk to Chalice, who we see Josh. She uh, is at the top of the tower. Uh, mm-hmm. Kind of thinking about the moon in a sense, and then of course, the dust of dreams. The dust of dreams, if you will. I did catch that. Yeah. So, what did you make of what happens with Chalice here, and how did it strike you? I'm gonna be honest. I had like a gut feeling when she first compared herself to the person trapped in a snow globe. I was like, at some point, that snow globe's gonna break. And that's going to be very important. And I, part of me was like, oh, maybe she kills me. You know, maybe that's how she, like, she drops it when she dies. I didn't know it would come from, like, her literally hurling herself off a tower, which I thought was wild. And also immediately forgotten by the rest of the book afterwards. Yeah, so like, Yeah, AJ and I text about this. Never mentioned again, rest of the book. Uh, Cutter, Cutter, I mean, look, on the bright side, Cutter will never know. And this poor boy does not need more guilt <laughs> on his shoulders. So... India, what did you make of Chalice's death here? I spoiled that for myself, so oh. yeah, I thought that was it. I knew it was. I knew it. Was, I knew already. I knew the whole sequence of events already. So um, I didn't think anything. I kind of just like reading through it. I was like, "Damn!" But also, she was. I hate to speak ill of the dead, but she was so annoying <laughs> and so just like awful, <laughs> like. She had all these choices. She really did. And she felt so stuck in her. It's just like, no, you should have you should have just taken your money and left. Mm. And that's how I feel. Um, just left with some rich fool. Mm-hmm. Some rich fool. AJ, how did it strike you? I mean, like Josh said, we, we messaged about it a little bit. It kind of like it happened and I was kind of just like, oh, all right. Um, and then it never showed up in the rest of the book, 
which I thought was really wild. Um, I mean, you know, I guess Cutter would have been the one to to say something about it. And he just like, you know, he just never went went there. It just felt I don't know. It, it just felt kind of weird to me. I don't know. I mean, I mean, I guess it, you know, it speaks to the helplessness she felt like India said, like she did have choices, but obviously she couldn't see them. We all saw them. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I don't know. Like she's in that situation and it's just kind of been all she's known her whole life. And then I guess Cutter throws a, a wrench in that and she decides she wants that life. But with Cutter and then her husband dies and she's like, wait a minute, what's going to happen to my life? And then, real, I don't, you know, I, I just feel it just felt kind of like it happened. And I was just kind of just like, oh, all right. Like, why? Yeah. Part, part, part of me felt like, oh, this would be a real pain to have to follow through in future books. I know a quick way to, to not need to worry about this storyline going forward. And I mean, I don't want to say I don't want to like imply that it's like unrealistic that this would have happened because like, yeah, I like I, I get I get it. I guess just narratively, it's not super interesting for that to be the ending. I agree. Mm-hmm. Well, I agree with that, Josh. I think you're touching on what I think is kind of the problem in that sense, in that if you really followed this story through and it's like, OK, well, Chalice is now going to have to figure out what her life is like and what she wants. Mm-hmm. It's like, OK, well, all of a sudden, this is a huge thing. This seems like it's like it seems yeah. like we there would be a whole lot of elements to those stories of that story. There's a there's a part of me that wonders like. Like, what was the purpose story-wise of this storyline? Because you could argue, oh, it's because Gorlas has to challenge, you know, Cutter when he gets there. But he doesn't. He could have challenged Cutter for being there. And, and Cutter could have been like, you killed my friend Marilio. Like, I don't really understand what the purpose of this is. Because it also doesn't really impact Cutter because he leaves without the knowledge of what happens to Shallus. You know what I mean? I think I do feel like it was mostly for Cutter um, and, like, the story how it progressed for him. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Everything. Like, I don't, I think that was the only point he was going home. Like he had to see, they, Charles had to be fit into it in some way because he was like so obsessed with her in the beginning. I, yeah. And I now that. he's like a different person and it's just like, Ooh, but like it would have been fucked to not revisit it. But then also it was like late, like, okay, but how can we just be done? Mm. Yeah. That makes sense. And I suppose you could say like her death is like, the death of that part of Crocus's life or whatever of, you know, him leaving, you know, Marilio's dead. The only other real person who he kind of like chummed around with. I don't know. But that just feels like it's a disservice to Chalice as a character to be like, she was just a foil for Crocus's kind of like development, I guess. But like, she I would literally say, was, though. I know. Yeah. But I feel like Crocus didn't even have really any meaningful development with Chalice. It was just more of like all the women I love are, you know, I'm not able to provide that love again, which I feel like is a, is a conversation we've now had three times with. Cutter. I get, I guess he, I guess she also kind of bopped him away from Skillara to kind of make room for Solara and Barathol. And then sure. I guess because of him kind of being so disillusioned, that kind of helps him find his path to go back to Absalar. I guess I could argue that. Yeah. I don't know. Listen, I, don't know. I, I, I don't love the ending of the storyline, but I do think it does make some sense. And I don't really agree that Chalice is only in this story, I think, to serve Crocus's narrative or... Um, to kind of be a foil to him I think I don't know to me it reads it's one of my favorite parts of the book and I do think it makes a lot of sense on its own and she is Mm -hmm. uh, I think a care I don't know I feel like she's a a really independent character in this book and um, 
whilst I find the ending to be a big bummer, I think it makes sense in, in how I read the larger story. So I just wanted to push back a little bit. Sure. I feel like the I feel like the problems she is struggling with is similar to other problems the characters in Jurujistan are struggling with. You know, yeah. where they are in their mm-hmm. lives, how they want to progress forward and them trying to figure out what the next step of their life is, you know? Mhm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. I yeah, I think fra- actually framing it like that is actually, you know, I I feel better about framing it as like a larger a larger scale thing of just like all these people trying to figure out what their role is or like what their future looks like. And for her, she just doesn't see one, uh, I think is better in my head. So, but I will say India, I do think you do bring up a good point. I, I do get where you're coming from and I may, it feels a little bad. Maybe I see. It doesn't feel bad. It's just like, whatever, you know, it just doesn't have much of an impact. Yeah, well, I agree. The ending is yeah. is is disappointing almost. I wish I would have more. But like, they've to me, all this, been disappointing, this, to be fair. Like everyone just kind of dying unceremoniously at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, most of these deaths are very like very. And then quick they're dead. Not, yeah, and not mm-hmm. necessarily the whole dramatic death sequence. We see a few other things going on in the city, but I want us to bring with what's going on with Chow. His state is decaying, and they bring him to the thinnest house. Uh, to get some help from Raced. AJ, isn't Raced a little stinker? <laughs> yeah, I would describe Raced as a little stinker for sure. Um, for sure, for sure. I like this whole th- thing. What do you, what do you, what do you, what did you think about their plan to bring him inside the finished house to kind of? I mean, it it tracks. You know, it makes sense. If you don't want someone to die, you bring them in the place where time doesn't move. Sure. Uh, where people don't die. You know, I think that I think that track where people actually actively heal if you leave them there long enough. So. You know, that's a pretty good that's a pretty good thing. I feel like it's just such smart thinking and it's like such a kind yeah, of call fun callback in a way. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah, for sure. And for how much this book mirrors Gardens of the Moon in a lot of ways, like for them to end up in the in the finished house again, it's like, ah, yeah, of course. Sure. What Pete, what do you feel? What, what, do you, what do you feel about all this? Like where we're in Chowers synapses and stuff like how do you feel about being in Chowers neurons? It, it's very abstract in a way that i like um Mm. but it is like very untethered to the literal it it, it struck me as kind of (laughs) weird in a way weird in a way you don't like i don't know i haven't i don't fully have a verdict on it i don't think like i like the imagery i think it's i think it's cool to like be in a neuron i don't know that's kind of neat but like there's this kind of interesting implication i i i the, the implication of like to, in order for Chow to like grow in like a brain capacity sense, he needs to f- his brain needs to be dead, but not fully dead so that his neurons can like make new paths and stuff. And then, you know, presumably, I guess, come back later as not as as the book describes him, like a, a, a child or whatever, just like feels kind of weird to me. Is anyone else worried that race is going to try and use him to take his spot as the eternal guardian? Because there's like hints that he's trying to get back out of there. And now he has like a fully functioning person there. True. Yeah. Also True. has also has the dead Talani mass out there just kind of stuck in the weeds, which is pretty funny. Pretty funny he is out. He oh stepped God. he stepped out of the path and got caught up. That's yeah. so good. Yeah. I wanted to talk about that a little too. Just a funny little thing, I think. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, AJ, I don't know. I hadn't really thought about it from that perspective, so I'm kind of just chilling on that. Um, sure. Let us know what you think, what we can talk about in the mailbag. Yeah, mm-hmm. I definitely I definitely feel like there's a... I'm, I'm very curious about what people think about that bit. 
Also, the chalice thing. I want people's chalice opinions. All right. Um, Envy and Spite pull a classic. Suckle Andalou pull a classic. Menandere pulled a classic. Yes. The other one. Um, <laughs> do you, does Steve have sisters? <laughs> do they have a good relationship? <laughs> <laughs> Where the sisters team up, but they're also thinking about betraying one another. India, what did you make of the Envy Spite team up? So I do have a sister and this does track, but... uh, You would betray her. I just, you just, you, you um, wound your sister unlike you would wound anybody in life, you know? Mm. So it's just a thing that we do. It's, it's very psychological. But they made, but Steve made it physical. Um, but also sometimes physical. Once my sister punched me in the face. Wow. Wow. Good story. We'll talk about it and later. Anyway. Did you deserve it? Yes. <laughs> nice. <laughs> to be fair, I did deserve it. I had um, it coming. But anyway, so Envy and Spite. I like their idea to do this together. It's I, I like when the sisters get together and then are like, ha ha ha, but then I'm going to kill you with it. Like, whatever. I'm here for it. Good I good good little try. Not that they did anything, but Yeah, so the thing is they team up. They're headed to go find Anamander Rake, but um he is of course preoccupied. From the point of view in Samar Dev, we watch as Traveler kind of duels and confronts Anamander Rake. There are a lot of people watching. There are all these ravens. There are kind of people chanting for Decimal Tor. India, what did you make of this duel? How did you feel about the scene? Um, it was a cool, the, the, the people, the big crowd, the Ravens, that was cool, like in theory to see, um, I didn't want Anamanda Rake to die. I was really pissed off about Mm -hmm. it, like livid. So that was frustrating, but yeah, I don't love a fight scene. So high praise. Josh, how about you? I was very sad. I'm, I also missed the question, so. (laughs) <laughs> I, felt, I felt like a safe answer just looking for your impressions about their duel you know oh yeah i was sad yeah, um, good answer cool yeah very yeah crush it uh it was a very cool duel but um i felt i mean i everyone knew Andamander had to die it felt like yeah what confuses what confuses me who does anyone take dragnapur at the end? oh uh, yeah who takes dragnapur at the end someone takes it oh kaladin brood that's right kaladin brood comes oh um, that's right duh he has to break it. I was going to say I was confused why Spinak Durov had to stop Kalor for, from coming, but duh, it's because uh, he had to be killed by someone that didn't want the sword, and uh, Traveler didn't want it, obviously. So, um, very sad. And I feel so bad for Traveler mm. um, having to kill your friend to save the world. Ugh, bummer city. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Sometimes you have to kill your friends. Yeah, sometimes, that literally, that's what you learned here. Sometimes you have to kill your friends. Yeah. Couldn't- couldn't he have just given up the sword? <laughs> he had to get inside of it, AJ. Okay. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. Yeah. But didn't like everyone now, know? Now, your question like, is, why didn't he just fucking off himself, AJ? I don't know. <laughs> That's uh, right. You just need a fucking doop, you're in. Makes that doesn't make in. any sense to me. Sorry. When I went, doop, that was me pretending to like get a paper cut on my hand. Uh-huh. Uh, That's all you need. <laughs> um, AJ, Josh mentioned feeling like it was coming did you feel like this was coming how did this scene strike you 
Yeah, I mean, this whole book, like from the very beginning, the first Animander Endist scene, he was like, basically, at the end of this book, I'm going to die. Yeah. Um, so like, I was ready for it. I, I thought something was going to happen. Obviously, I'd said a couple episodes ago that I thought, you know, Namander was going to do something to like sacrifice himself or whatever. I don't know. But as soon as they met in the square, you know, to, as soon as Traveler and Rake met at the square, I was like, oh, well, this is it. Like, dude's going to die. I thought the really wild thing about this scene was uh, Karsa saying only a fool would step between these two and Samar thinking that uh, he sounded shaken which I thought was wild in my head. This whole duel looked like a Dragon Ball Z fight of them just like flashing around. And then every like, you know, couple of seconds, they would like freeze with like their swords slamming together. And then like the shockwaves of sound, like knocking everybody back or, or something. It was sick in my head. It was sick. 100%. Carsa straight up was like, I didn't even see him. Like, that's <laughs> yeah. fucking nuts. Yeah. Um. So cool stuff. Sad ending. Um. I, I did. I did kind of see it coming. Doesn't make it any less sad. I do agree. The book is really leading up to it. I do feel like did I like misread earlier in the book when when Rake told Enda Salon, like, you're going to have to betray me because like I've I really thought that we had read that and I we don't did. know what we the did. betrayal was. was. The betrayal not protecting him like what? Oh, that's a good question. What is was the, the betrayal? betrayal letting him do the thing? I don't know. Actually, it's a really good question. AJ. I, I, that's what I just kept waiting for something to happen with Endis, like giving up his protection uh, against Clip or whatever. And that doesn't happen either. I just don't know what the what the betrayal is. I don't really know what you're talking about. I can't. Help I, you I know. You, I agree. I agree. Maybe it hasn't happened yet. Yeah. Um. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> I, yeah, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe he like goes in. I don't know. Whatever. Any. Okay, let's continue. So AJ, more more hounds. Woof, woof. Woof, woof. Bark, bark. There's 10 of them. Uh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> what, do you, what do you make of the hounds of light? If you had to say something. <laughs> Pretty scary. Like, I, <laughs> I don't know what you want me to say. Like, that's how I feel about all these hounds is like, Jesus Christ. How horrifying. Like, yeah, I, yeah like. Pretty pretty scary shit. As if the city didn't have enough trouble as it was. And it's a Monday. Yeah. No, and it's, it's a Monday. <laughs> Tourless Shorn is here. I, I've been omitting it because I do not feel very passionately about that plot line. But let that be known. That's also going on. Um. Mm -hmm. So, Josh, speaking yes. about plot lines we're passionate about. Iskarl Pust. Ah, uh, crap. <laughs> They meet at last. The true Fucking... duel of the century. We're talking the Darugistan Summer Slam. Red <laughs> so hype about it. BYOM, bring your own mules. <laughs> oh, so good. Uh, and, and by excited about it, I mean fucking dumb. But so <laughs> funny. To imagine Krupp engaging in any kind of physical thing whatsoever, let alone fucking a slap fight with Iskaral Pus. <laughs> Absolutely incredible. And spoiler alert, perfection that by the end of the fight, Iskaral Pus is fighting Magora and Krupp is fully gone. I it, there is no bet there is no way that could have ended except exactly like that. I loved it so much. Um so. Yes, I love the scene too. I think it's a funny, obvious parallel with the Can previous we duel. It's just two great characters but josh can can we talk about what shadow throne says later can we just talk about it now because there's gonna be so much shit next chapter anyway lay it on us 
I think that Shadow Throne saying that Iskarol Puss is his mage is fully because Iskarol Puss wrote a book that was yeah. like Shadow Throne the book and also his cool friend Iskarol Puss, his mage is, and that just became reality <laughs> is one of my favorite things about Malazan so far. It rules. Manifesting works, Josh. Okay. It does. <laughs> You're so right. Um, I am the mages of High House Shadow now. <laughs> India, what did you make of this duel? Silly, stupid, let's just get it going, kind of. Like, I don't, I just want to end now. Those are my feelings. It's stupid in the best way, in my official Yeah, it is, but it's like, we're so close. Like, come on. Wrap it up. Um, really, really good, really good. Like you said, Pete, it's an obvious parallel between the last duel, but I also think it's like one of those classic Malazan, like, here's a, here's a, here's like a, a, a break for you. Like, you can just have a funny little scene between these two dudes for a second just to kind of exactly. give you a little bit of a breather. Right. Exactly. Uh, yep. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, Spite and Envy are getting closer. People are kind of converging around Animander Rake's body and, uh, AJ Cutter comes up. He kind of talks to them, and he he also what's that? What's his name? Actually, yeah, I was gonna say who's Cutter. I've actually I've never heard of Cutter. I'm actually Crocus Younghand. Nice to meet you. Um, <laughs> Sorry, the old the old Cutter's not here right now. He's dead. Yeah. Wow. Correct. What what'd you make of that beat and kind of this little convergence of him meeting Samar and being Crocus now? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a it's a pretty interesting. It's a pretty interesting uh, narrative arc for 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 our boy Crocus to, you know, throwing away his old identity because he's a killer now. And then finally, like accepting like, no, this is part of who I am. You know, I am I am Crocus regardless of my actions. You know, I can't you can't really compartmentalize that stuff. Uh, So good for him for coming to that realization, I suppose. And also, I love when characters meet each other and have to introduce (laughs) themselves because I just think it's really funny. Yeah. It, it is very funny when they're yeah, like, "Hello, it's like, oh, I'm he Samar was standing Dad. next to the yeah, he was standing next to this giant and a witch." Like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> like it's just funny. I don't know. Yeah, and then the 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 the, the correct me if I'm wrong, which I think I am. Okay, maybe I'm not though. Did Cutter and Absalar meet Traveler? Is that how he got? Or is that somebody else? They met somebody with a sword. That was named like sadness or whatever. We're talking about, oh, you're talking about who held grief. And that was Anderist, brother to Anamander Rake, who died. And Anderist was the one who raised right. Namander and all of them. Okay. But now yes. Dasim has that sword? Because but, he showed up. Remember, he showed up and killed all the Tisti Eater who were invading. And yes. even Shadow Throne and Cotillion yes. were like yes. off the island. They were like, fuck that noise. Got it. Okay. Thank you. I, I knew there was a missing bit there. Thank you so much. Of course. Uh, okay. Cool. It was, I thought it was fun for, for, uh, Crocus to be the only one who like knows what that sword is besides yeah. Amanda Rake. Uh, and it's just cool. But I like our boy. I'm glad he's back. And the, the fucking the fight that follows with with the hounds is fucking sick. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about that fight. Um, Spite and Envy are kind of working together and they are fighting the Hounds of Shadow and there's a lot of hound fight. Josh, what'd you make of this? The two of them kind of Envy and Spite fighting it up. They're fine. Uh, okay, sorry. I don't know. They, they're, they're goofy in a way that is kind of uh, counterproductive to the plot sometimes, <laughs> and that annoys me. You know what I mean? Goofy and not impactful, fine. Goofy and somewhat counterproductive to the good guys winning, annoying to me. I was sad the Hounds of Shadow died. They're very cool. I'm a big mm. fan of them. I miss them already. 
That's uh, all of them, right? Are they all dead? They were destroying Darugistan. I, I would mean, look, there's no bad dogs, <laughs> just bad owners. So, wow, um, deep. Um, all right, India. Let's come to the last part of this chapter here. Our guy Spinnick Durav is is close to the city, and Calor uh, the High King is so close. They kind of have a confrontation. India, what did you make of this confrontation and Spinnak Durav's will to fight? He crushed it. Um, great job. But I don't know why he didn't like, like, I, I do know why, but I don't know. I don't, I think his reasoning as to why he wouldn't like fight back, like was stupid. I don't know. <laughs> because if Kalor was like a little bit damaged, then when the dragon came, he likely could have like the whole thing is stupid. Like, I just feel like everyone's like, oh, my God, Keller's so strong, which like cool he is. But like, <laughs> do something. What the fuck? That's how I felt. But great mm. job. Love Spinnock. Do you think India, if he had fought back, that Keller would have given him that mercy and not killed him at the end? No, that's stupid. He's so lost. Yeah, I, th- I think he would have, because I think if he recognized the reason he was fighting him. He would have been like, oh, like, I think it would have come to the same conclusion, really. Okay, but I, I think that. I think partly also the reason Spinnock wasn't fighting is because he knew he could defend. He could defend well. And he, you know, it, it, leaving himself possibly open to like a retaliatory attack by like thrusting or something. Yeah. I think he didn't want to leave that stuff up to chance. You know, he's like, well, if I just stay defending, I, there's no way that he can stab me uh, by surprise uh, or something. You know, that makes sense. He was playing to his strengths. Yeah, in the, in this specific case, because we've seen Calor fight before, it seems pretty fucked up. Hey, he's really really good. Yeah, yeah but it, in my mind, he is quite an old dude, though. You know. Well, yeah. In I your mean, mind, you mean canonically, he's incredibly <laughs> old. Yeah, he's old, but like it is one it of his things. Age is just a number, you know. Yeah, he's 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 hot old. You know what I mean. <laughs> He gets it. I do have to say, I was really thrown off when they talk about uh, when he's being carried by the dragon, skipping ahead a little bit, sorry, uh, that he like has the claws like in his arm meat. Like, because to me, Kalor is just a full skeleton. Like, he doesn't have any meat left. What? He's a, he's a normal human. He's a human. I use a skeleton <laughs> in your head. He's just yeah, a human I mean, dude. Dude's like a million years old. Like, Yeah, that's his uh, curse. I know how it works, Josh. So, so like, AJ, he was cursed during the during like the binding. Yeah, explain this to me. Like, I don't know anything about Malazan. This will be a really easy conversation to have. Yeah, yeah. And then that's right. Uh, some friends show up to help out. Josh, who yeah. shows up? That's right. Calo, uh, Corlat and her brother, who Orphantal, who we also have met. Yes, we have met both of them. Been a long time for these two, hasn't it? You know, I had a I had a wonder about it because they got brought up this book twice, I think. Sure. And one of them was very recent. And I was like, we have to see her again at some point. <laughs> I will say, I just feel like sometimes with this stuff, it almost lands like sometimes it's if thing is, I actually don't think the book cares that much about it, but sometimes it just lands like a cameo. I'm like, okay. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, sure. <laughs> What did we do? What did we think about um, Calor's defense of his actions from book three? I thought that was really interesting, and I do not know what to make of it. His his defense of killing Whiskey Jack. What do you guys think, India? I think I'm not sure. All right, Josh. So you three, you asked. What do you think? 
it's really hard because I think more than any other character, I've hated Kalor just like unflinchingly for the longest time. You know, it's we're like five books later and I think he's the scum of the earth. And now he's like, I, you know, I had to do it. It was it was part of the greater scheme. I didn't want it, but I, I'm still like, but you did it, though. What was his reason? I can't remember the exact reason he said he had to do it. Do you remember, AJ? No, Josh, you were the one that brought it up. and You don't even know the reason. No, I don't. I don't remember much. Um, I fuck you. You don't remember much. Eat my ass. Uh, <laughs> I think Calor sounds so ridiculously terrible here. It is it's, like I'm. Thank you for sharing your feelings. I kind of agree. It's really easy to say you didn't want to murder someone after you murder them. Yeah. It is truly some cruel stuff to like be doing violence and be doing harm <laughs> and then being like, oh, well, actually, I didn't even want to do this. It's actually you are kind of I had to do this. I'm I'm yeah. kind of the victim by having to do the cruelty, <laughs> you know? Yes. Yeah. And yes. it's like, no, Calor, you are actually not being victimized here. That is uh, like, you know, but obviously he feels that way. And, you know, that's there's so, there's you, there's a conversation to be had there. But it's like, f- go fuck yourself. You know, that's yeah. my opinion. Well, it's like in book three, don't we get Calor's POV of him killing Whiskey Jack? Isn't that from Calor's POV? No. I thought it was from Corlatz. It's from Corlatz because it? she like hears the noise behind her or something but weird like that. Do we get Cowler's POV in that book? I feel like we do. I feel like he's one of the he's one of the POVs. Like right before he does it, he like smiles or something because he's like, "I'm friends with the crippled god" or whatever. I feel. I like. I thought we were no, we were in Whiskey Jack's point of view, right? What? We maybe we were because yeah. there is the 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 it was, like the thing. it was the knee thing. Yeah, should have had Mallet heal it when he yelled at me all those years, all those times. He like did a move, or maybe that was I don't yeah. remember. Oh, what a fucking ending! That was horrible. Uh, India's right because he drops to his knee to try and do a lunge, and his yes. knee fucking gives out. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's what happens. Gang, I was just gang, trying gang, to think gang, of the POV. I think it was Whiskey um, Jack. I think, it, I think it's Whiskey Jack. I think she's or right. Or Corlat. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. I just I was just saying like the 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 there was a part before that happened where I could swear i remember calor being like i love being evil like i like he, he basically had a scene where he's like i love to murder like it just well he's had he, look th- he does love to murder aj i know <laughs> so it just seems no stupid for it. him to be like i was forced to do this meanwhile he's like tee i love to stab like i you know i, I don't know well, well clearly Agreed. this is like it's just how his mindset works and we mm. could talk about that but it's like like get, f- fuck you get over it. like I, I don't know what to tell you, you know? get yeah. fucked yeah oh i like that i like that response personally <laughs> all right uh that's right it's time for chapter 24 uh there will be no chapter summary we're gonna play a bit of music and then get into uh the ending of the book The chapter begins in Black Coral, where Endis Salon is um, holding back the light from kind of coming to the city, and he's kind of channeling his powers in a similar way he did when he defended, uh, when he held uh, Moonspawn under the sea, and he's kind of using all of his power. But it's quite difficult, and it's kind of this running thing throughout this chapter. Um, and he's also, there's a lot of conversation about what necessarily in Amanda Rake means to the Tistiandi, what uh, they owe him, um, what their kind of relationship him with him is like. AJ, 
Endesalon's really pushing himself here. And we also see the High Priestess. Did their kind of conversations and these thoughts about Andamander rate like connect with you? I don't know. Um, I mean, yeah, but like this is kind of the conversation we've been having through the whole book, I feel like, of talking about how like selfless Andamander Rake is and like how he would do like everything that he has done and will do is for his people, or is it at the very least not for himself? So yeah, I mean it 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 hit for me, but it wasn't like I don't know. I feel like it wasn't anything that we hadn't already sure. you know, seen. But I guess I guess we are seeing here and the salon like using that as like, you know, he's done so much for us. Animan Rake has done so much for us that now it's kind of time, you know, given the chance to return the favor, you know, I, I should do all I can. Um, so I guess that's, you know, we're really seeing that kind of aspect of it for the first time, I think. So 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 I, I, I liked it. I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to seem like dismissive or anything, but part of me feels like the end of this book is Steve being like, I made the coolest fucking character ever. And he's so cool. And like, isn't he awesome? Which I know is not the case, but in a way it kind of does feel like that because Animander Rake, you know, is one of Steve's D and D or, you know, GURPS, whatever his, one of his RPG creations. So for him to be like the coolest, most selfless person to ever exist, <laughs> um, I, I think is just, is just kind of funny, but like, you know, I, I, I like seeing, seeing this kind of, uh, you know, I, I I said that the conversations happen throughout the book, but I think they're good conversations uh, or, you know, good musings on like the character of Animander Rake, despite everything, you know, like the Tistandi for all intents and purposes are like a pretty helpless people. And like Animander Rake, a lot of the time seems pretty on board with like the helplessness of everything or, or hopelessness, whatever. Uh, yeah. Hopeless is what I meant. Not helpless. And, and for him to be like, no, he's not hopeless. He's just, you know, he doesn't have any aspirations really except to like just do whatever he can for his people. So I liked it. He's a good character. I like this whole thing with Endis Salon. You know, I love a character who just like against all odds holds back the big thing. You know, that always gets me. Sure. It's funny you say that. I feel like I always kind of flip flop between I think Animander often can seem to me like a very flat and uninteresting character sometimes sure when people spend a lot of time hyping him up or he's in this kind of uh, simple way but mm. outside of that i actually think there is like a he the more nuanced character there but you do spend a lot of time with people being like and there he is the son of darkness the black wing lord right, he's the dude with three five titles like he's yeah. got so many titles so i think sometimes mm. it's hard for me to kind of connect with the more human part of him josh you're telling me our boy talk is back inside the sword everyone's fighting you see talk and you're not stoked you're not hyped to be with our guy so i was hyped for talk all right i i even mentioned talk i said i liked his part a lot especially his like ride through and being like there's trots and mallet and iskar jerak why is he going by that weird seven cities name now you know that that shit was funny to me i loved that i just like at the time thought that this was a hopeless battle completely and i was worried they were all gonna die in infinite death and that may be sad but look <laughs> we get to the end and that doesn't happen and that's great 10 out of 10 it does not. I'm stoked to see Talk back here, of course. Our yeah. guy. Talk does a lot of good horse riding, I've learned. That is apparently his thing. 
and uh, one, of his, one of his strengths. I'm there for it. I like it. Um, yeah, and so Taka's kind of uh, told that he will have a new, some new responsibilities by Hood. But importantly, will still be dead, which I was upset about. Yes, he will remain dead. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, inside the sword, this kind of battle is raging as we, we're kind of touching on. We see everyone fighting, including uh, the Segula, who are putting up quite an important fight. Oh, we didn't we didn't I, mention last episode we erroneously said the Sugula were dead back at Vorkin's oh, place. Oh, we should you're right. And they were not dead. I am sorry. Also the Shadowhounds aren't dead. Said that last chapter they're not dead. Sorry. The Tori read was misleading. I swear <laughs> I've read these books. <laughs> I uh just want to say I love the moment where the Segula's masks get like filed clean oh yeah uh, mm. that fucking ruled and i think is also symbolically pretty neat uh, Agreed. awesome it's awesome i feel like i i know the perfect amount of information i want to know about the segula do you know I mean yeah. mm-hmm. i need yeah. no more because oh, i just kind of want them to be cool presences you yeah know? Mm-hmm. they've got an island check mm-hmm. they fight each other check there's some tribal hierarchy done i will i will say you learn a little bit more in some of the ice stuff but um i like that too so well then i guess i'll never read it because i feel (laughs) wow (laughs) all right so then uh gruntle shows up india did you think the trigal trade guild was going to end up here a part of this whole situation no but they always kind of make themselves they're needed at all times and it kind of (laughs) makes sense in this case because how the hell else would you get out of chaos Chaos. Sword. They're always fun. I like seeing Grunt all. <laughs> and yeah. I appreciate the enunciation. India, we do see a little bit more of Draconis here. And we also hear him like speak more. And then he also speaks about Animander in a way. Um, I'd be curious what your impression of Draconis is here. I feel like this is our first time really seeing him as a character with thoughts and feelings and not just as like, oh, it's Draconis, the guy. What do you think? What was your impression of him? His feel like I feel like he is very much um, kind of Draconis, the guy. He's sullen and he seems just very, I don't know, like resigned. I don't find him to be a very like like happy or well obviously why would he be you know why why would he be but sure he is exactly what i would have like expected like i don't know interesting aj did you have any thoughts to me i almost always read draconis as somewhat villain-esque and i feel like his i theory... never did really yeah, when we I, learn about yeah i never sorry, aj was asked no, yeah, I, I, I never really considered him a villain. What were you going to say, Josh? I feel like he's described as a villain, and as soon as we met him in this book, I was like, he's just a big, sad boy. Right, just literally. Like half of the characters in the series. Right, yeah, I think that was like, yeah. We're, we're And even when he's introduced, I don't think he's introduced as like a villain who made an evil sword. He's just like a guy who made a sword, and now Anamanda Rake has yeah. it. Like, I had never seen him as like, an evil person or whatever, like just making a sword out of chains, which is the sickest fucking shit I've ever read in my life. That's awesome. Making a sword out of chains to bind souls. I, I don't know. didn't feel like it was like a power grab or something because like we've seen Animander Rake, like he's not more powerful because of the magic sword. It just is a magic sword that somebody made for some reason. Uh, and it didn't seem like there was any ill intent 
in in my in my mind yeah i guess i feel like if anything he's got some morality questions you know what i mean like was mm. what he did good or evil not is he good or evil and that's about it i feel like that's more how i felt about him yeah no i feel like it just my thought comes from just some tropey like place you know i feel like ma- sure made his, an name's, evil sword. his name's uh, draconis oh, his name's draconis that's a very yeah. evil sounding name you know i so i i agree with you i think he comes across as a much different type of character so yeah this makes sense because yeah. P- peter has always met someone heard their name and then immediately judgment called Me- immediately made a <laughs> character yeah. judgment that is correct yeah it seems like even in this like inner monologue thing it seems like he made the sword because he didn't want people to die which seems weird like uh, i do i am still very unsure of the creation of this thing yeah i i just i understand i understand why people had to be killed to draw to drag the cart away from chaos but why did that need to happen to save? Yeah, did he make? Did him making the sword make the Warren with the, the thing in it, or did the thing already exist? And he was like, "I need people to drag this. It must be dead people." And and if it was if if it was curled Glane at the heart, did Animan or Rake have anything to do with that? You know, very very interesting. So there's a really cool transition here in my mind, in which the second of the Segula kind of. Oh, the coolest thing in the book. Leaves the one storyline to Mm -hmm. enter the other storyline and join the fight in Darugistan. And then the fight in Darugistan is just popping off. The hounds are battling. We're battling the hounds. Josh, what'd you make of this transition and the huge fucking brawl awesome fight time in Darugistan? I look, I like a good fight. And there's nothing better than transdimensional hopping, picking up your old spear that has been conspicuously being held by a teen for the last three chapters, and then being like, this will do, and then just fucking murdering something with it. 10 out of 10 makes the whole series worth it. I also just love the kind of like storytelling meta sense of like leaving this one like storyline and then entering mm-hmm. this other one you know what i mean I, I i feel like i the same synapses fire of when characters meet each other from different storylines yeah i'm, I'm yeah. like we're all in the same book we did here it. we yeah. are he did it yeah josh any other parts of this huge fight scene stand out to you i mean uh cutters in here fighting cars is fighting you know ever everyone's getting a it's, everyone's getting a piece it's pretty cool the bear coming back was a nice throwback interest mm-hmm. this is one of the this is like the only time cars has ever struggled you know he had to do a little bit to fight these hounds of light shows us how powerful they are mm. also would pay a lot of money to see him fight the second segula <laughs> would be fun yeah so where'd he go again by the way the second segula after he what? after the second Segula, where does he go after he murders these hounds? Going to go kill Skinner. I don't remember who Skinner is. We've heard that name. Is Skinner someone involved with that town that the other Segula are from? Skinner's from the ice books. You don't uh, don't sweat it, I would tell you. Is he related to those other ones? I know there was a name they kept throwing around, but I forget what it, if it was Skinner or not, but probably not. I don't know where all my Skinner info comes from, so I can't tell sure. you what you are supposed to have known at this point. So mm. he's a guy. Okay. I do. I do love that he comes <laughs> right before he starts fighting. He says, Skinner, I'm coming for you. But first, these guys, which I just thought was a really interesting casual line in this but book. First, to uh-huh. say these guys. guys. Yeah. AJ, Tulas Shorn is a part of this whole thing. Is he? <laughs> could, could be argued. Let's talk about it. <laughs> That's how I feel. Mm-hmm. Does anyone 
didn't does anyone connect with Mr. Tulash Shorn? I feel like I was really hot on Tulash Shorn being introduced, and I just like have fully disconnected from him as a character in 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 this latter part of the book. I just really don't really care at all about him. He does a good job of killing dogs. He does kill three of them. Yeah. Yeah. Great job, bud. He's a good dragon. Bummer about your hounds. Sorry. Yeah. But, you know, I don't know. I just feel like when he was introduced, it was like, oh, this interesting person is like, oh, the hounds of Shadow are his. He has a whole conversation with Shadowthorn and Cotillion. It's like, oh, this is interesting. And then and I just I don't really feel like there's like any ending to that storyline in this book, at least, which is like fine. I just like I'm just kind of just like, yeah, he's, he's here. Like, that's how I feel. Is, he is here. He is here. It's a, that's yeah. why I alighted, alluded, elicited, elicited. I don't know. I don't know. So, India, if Envy and Spite actually got dragged in Purr, what do you think that would lead to? I mean, I hope it would lead to them, like, going in and saying hi to their dad. That's it. Interesting. And just, you know, helping them out. That's it. What do you think would have happened? Oh, um, hypothetical. I like it. Pete can't get out of this one. <laughs> if you deflect, I'm leaving. I'm not insane. I don't believe they're Anamanda Rake's kids. So they're Draconis's. Kids. They're Draconis's kids. Oh, I see. That's right. That makes more sense. <laughs> that makes more sense that that's what you were saying. Because well, to be fair, a lot of people are in the sword right now. Really, anyone could be their dad in the sword. That that's what I meant. And I, I, I we were going to talk about Andamanda Rake. So that's okay. Um, man, I feel like a fucking clown. How fucking embarrassing for me. Literally, um, honestly. Yeah, and I have like read the books or something. Have you? you? Know? Um, yeah. <laughs> what a dweeb. All right, so. Uh, India, also quick before we go on to Josh, he mentioned the bear showed up. What is up with this bear plot line? I'm like, what is this it. bear god even doing? I'm over it. I don't know. I don't care. I have no I have no idea. I have no idea what anyone's doing, though. So there's total chaos in the city, and we kind of mentioned that Tullus Shorn is fighting some of them. There's fighting all over the place. And Josh. You mentioned this before, but the fight actually between Iskarl and Krupp ends with Iskarl and Mogara talking. It's it's just perfect. I have I have no I have no notes. I just I really like this part. You know, that's me too. We liked it. Uh, I I do just want to say we've we we have uh, blown past the part where Karsa's daughters show up. Remember the prologue of this book? What I thought that was oh. I thought that hasn't happened yet. No, it, it happens. happens during this fight because he gets saved by them throwing spears. Yeah, well, the conversation hasn't happened yet is what You're it is. So right, AJ. I just like I, I yelled out loud in my living room because I completely forgot about the prologue of this book. I did being, too. Yeah. Being them leaving to go find Karsa and for them to show up. <laughs> it was like. And how how long has Karsa been gone? We haven't. They didn't. And that's the thing. We haven't even checked in with that plot line since the prologue. It's like. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go yeah. find dad 1,200 pages later. <laughs> well, we can talk about that more in a sec. I, was... I love a 1,200 page payoff. That's all I'm saying. So Picker gets kind of sent on a quest, which I guess we'll talk about more when she uh, kind of reaches her destination, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And then Anamanda Rake arrives, and he is going to uh, kind of make a sacrifice, if you will. AJ, do you feel like this sacrifice was planned by him? Um, I don't know if planned is the word I would use. 
but I definitely think it was intended. Mm. What do you mean? I don't know. Planned makes it seem like there was a lot of forethought. <laughs> I don't feel like there was a whole lot of forethought. It was just like, I don't know. It was just like, this is a thing I need to do. It wasn't like a, here's how I'm going to do this thing. It was just like, well, this is this thing that's going to happen. And I'm going to do it. You know, I don't know. I guess I'm getting semantic about the word plan versus the word intend. But yeah, I think I think this was this was all part of his part of his plan. Uh, so I, to speak. I think he understood what yeah. he had to do. Yeah, it was like, it, it. yeah, it's not like he made the choice to do it. It was just like a thing that he was going to have to do. And he was like, yeah, I am going to do this. Yeah, it was asked of him and he yeah. rose to the occasion, so to speak. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then in with his people, they all kind of feel his death. And Kellick starts to rain down from the sky over the city. I kind of love this image. Josh, did it strike you? I mean, a lot. Yeah, I think a lot of the animated rake stuff was was hitting pretty good at this point i I thought it was awesome yeah you mentioned before Monkrat and spindle save the children from the camp um Mm -hmm. and they are kind of clearing the way for solana to come is that what you thought is that where you think thought this was going with them uh with who with this whole uh, i i guess i meant the two of them but if you mean something else you can Oh, no, I thought you said him. I I mean, I figured when Spindle got introduced, I kind of figured that's that's the way they were going to go with it, you know, like kind of help redeem Monkrat for whatever reason. And then, uh, I I mean, we knew Solana was going to be the one that kind of did the deed at the end because it's been hinted like eight times this book so far that the dragon's watching the barrow. Yeah. But it was pretty, I thought it was pretty cool. And uh, yeah. All right, Josh. Well, you say uh, we have to redeem Monkrat for some reason. But I guess I would say redemption's a big part of the the storyline and kind of what it's reflecting on. The storyline of the Redeemer? Oh, crazy yeah. take out of me. Um, <laughs> I know. And I, I, I would, so I would say I, that's why it's there. I'd be curious if you feel like Monkrat was redeemed, if redemption is a thing, if it's something, you know, I mean, it, it feels like this is all a part of the mill new, you know? Um, I mean... Are you redeemed through a god? Are you redeeming yourself through actions? Are you redeeming blah, blah, blah? I mean, the book would tell us that it's all of those things, you know? I don't know. If I don't, you look... Okay, go. Right? I guess. I mean, isn't that what uh, isn't that what Edkovian came to the realization of with Cyrodiilman? Is that he do, he makes no judgments. He just offers, you know, a, a clean start if you wished, and it's up to you to make use of that clean start. That's kind of how it felt to me. So Monkrat didn't go to the Redeemer for that, but Spindle came to him and kind of held out the hand and said, "If you're looking for a new start, here's your one shot at it." You know, but you gotta make you gotta take that shot, whatever's given to you. So it's kind of how it felt. The book was was going for me. I liked it. I thought it was a really nice message. Interesting. You, you um, don't you don't you don't get to just absolve yourself by asking for it in some ways you can get that you know it kobe will give you that if that's all you think you need but this is really interesting um india what do you think do you do you feel like this absolution or this new slate is coming from a god is coming from elsewhere that or is like can you have a new slate yourself and kind of decide to start anew and make a change that's a that's a loaded question it's a big question it comes from within a new slate. Yeah, I don't know. India, why do you say that? I don't know. It felt right. Yeah, okay. I was just curious. Do you do you feel like this um this chance for Monkrat to redeem himself came from Ikovian? No. I think mm-hmm. it came from within. AJ, what do you think? 
No, I think uh, I, I think I think India is right. I think it's it's. I mean, it goes with what Idkovian has been saying the whole book. There was that conversation we had a few episodes ago, Pete. Yeah. Where Idkovian's talking about, you know, it's not my responsibility to answer people's prayers. It's up to them to just like be good people. And I'm mm-hmm. just kind of here. And I think that is the 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 where this book lands on redemption and, and how Munkrat's story goes. Like, I think it's just a direct mirror of that. Like, they don't need to do it for a god or f- for anything except except for themselves of just, you know, how they how they feel about a thing. And I think like if people want to say they're doing it for the Redeemer or like in the name of the Redeemer, sure, Itkovian's there, but like he's not going to do anything to like make a person redeemed, you know, which I think gets a little muddied up by the stuff that happens later in this chapter, in my opinion. What do you mean by that? Well, it, it, the, the part with with the di- with with Salind and Itkovian near the end where it's like, he actually does like physically redeem her. <laughs> I think kind of kind of muddies the waters of like it's all up to you, and you can just do it yourself. Like you you have the power within you to do it. And I think for it to be like you have it in you, but also you know God can give you a hug and you'll be fine. I th- I think that it gets a little it gets a little wishy washy there. But the Monkrat story specifically, I think is 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 really nice. And I just uh, you know I, I don't think it's like groundbreaking to bring this quote. Uh, of this section or anything, but Spindle, they're, you know, they're talking about what it means to be redeemed and Spindle says to be redeemed, someone's got to do the redeeming. And then Munkrat goes on this whole thing, but maybe it don't have to be someone else. Maybe it's just doing something, being something, someone and feeling that change inside. It's like you went and redeemed yourself and nobody's else opinion matters. And he, he, he goes on and talks about, you know, you'll still have like questions and stuff about like, are you actually redeemed? Whatever, but it doesn't really matter in the end. It's just like, it's it's what you think about yourself. It's not about what other people, you know, how other people see you. If other people don't see you as redeemed, then, you know, that's not up for them to decide how you feel about it. Like if you if you feel redeemed about a thing, you know, then then you could you're able to just move on with it. And I, I think in some ways, like if other people think you're redeemed or not, I think also does make a difference in some situations. But like, but I don't know. I think I think all in all, like the message of Idkovian as a god or ascendant or whatever the proper term is being like, it's just up to you. You have to decide to be a good person or to like do what you think is the right thing. Um, and it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks or says. I think is a is a is a pretty good message uh, all around for the most part. I would agree. I I find the message to be a very positive. It's an interesting idea around redemption. Um, Mm -hmm. I think you touch on that. I do think there's an end to it, which I think is interesting to think about. It feels in such dialogue with Christianity, this stuff, you know, the idea that Mm -hmm. you've sinned and you need to atone for it in some Mm -hmm. sense. But also, sorry. What? Well, I was just going to say, like using Christianity as an analog, like confession, you know, you're doing that to confess your sins to, you know, the Lord or whatever. But really, it's 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 a you thing. Like if you feel like confessing your sins is the thing you need to be redeemed for those sins or whatever, that's how you feel about it. You know, like it's it still comes down to the personal the personal act and the personal feelings of the of the person being redeemed, you know? Yeah, 100 percent. But. I also think when it comes to not letting other people's thoughts, I mean, I think what's tough is it feels so in conversation with the type of like God is judging you or like a church is judging you Mm -hmm. or these other people are judging you. And 
I feel like I confront this line of thought with, you know, what about the people you have harmed or the people Munkrat has harmed, the people have Seardomen have harmed? I mean, to me, it's like, well, their thoughts and opinions are relevant here. And you kind of get into the I- messy ideas around forgiveness and atonement, which is a whole other set of fish. So, um, uh, but I, I just wanted to bring that up a little bit. Uh, but I did think, um, I do find this to be a, a very powerful section and I really like the idea and I think uh, anyone can make a change and you can always um, start doing good stuff, you know? I yeah. I, I, I think the point you bring up about redemption versus forgiveness, like I think there is a, there is a clear difference there, like to seek forgiveness from, you know, the, the kids whose parents he's killed or whatever is different than him deciding that like, I am going to do what I can to, despite everything I've done in the past, I'm going to do everything I can now to help these kids like that is the act of redemption. Sure. And then it's up to him, you know, from there on to earn forgiveness or accept that he's never going to be forgiven or whatever. But but in order to continue acting in the way that he feels is re- re- redem- redemptive or whatever, you know, well, to make to a conti- pause, to make a positive change to make and a positive like try change, and. Right. Yeah. yeah. No, I agree. Yeah. Forgiveness is a whole separate thing. I just wanted to yeah. touch on it because I do think they're both somewhat related in this idea that you've done harm or more importantly to this as i kind of mentioned to what i read as a christian idea of like oh i'm damned i'm like i'm a fallen person i've done some mm-hmm. sort of thing i am bad and like irredeemable or i can i can no longer do good mm-hmm. and i think obviously the the monk rat is kind of makes this affirmative case that you can in fact do good you just need yeah. to start doing it right um, right yeah which is a good message, I think. I, a good I, message. I, I agree, Mr. Monkrat. All right. Um, so let's get inside the temple. India, who shows up in the temple? It's Clip. He's here and there's a bit of a confrontation. What'd you make of this whole scene when Clip arrives? The dying god's there. The Mander shows up eventually. Well, it was something that I felt I don't even it was a lot. I was confused. Um, I never, I, I've never really understood what Clip wanted. I still kind of don't. All right. A little confusion. Josh, how did this confrontation in the temple land for you? In some way, similar to India, um, because I feel like Clip's, yeah, again, like Clip's motivations and the Dying God's motivations have sort of, they, they, they both landed him here. But then they kind of couldn't agree on, I don't think, the next step in some way. And they're both so dumb that they had no uh, plan B for Anna Manor Rake isn't there. You know, I was very glad that the this is immediately followed by the scenes of Namander getting there and stuff. But because uh, I was just like, well, this was pretty awkward. <laughs> and I was very sad because I really thought uh, I really thought he was going to just fucking murder Enda Salon right there. And uh, I was very ha- glad that didn't happen. Mm. No, it's scary. I, I find this part scary. But I do agree. I do think it's not the cleanest. Like, you do have to kind of, like, think about what's happening, in a sense. Um, AJ, how did it land for you? No, yeah, I mean, I I, I, I pretty much agree with India and Josh. It's, like, a little bit confusing. You got to think about it. I think, like, getting this kind of inside look into, A, Clip's thoughts, and B, how the Dying God is using Clip. Yeah, that's uh, interesting. I thought- I thought was pretty interesting because it's not like the dying God is in control of clip. It's just the dying God is like, I guess kind of amplifying clips like worst impulses, you know, uh, to, to just get, uh, you know, to, to have clip take the dying God where it wants to be. 
which I think is to Animanda Rake. And then we see like when Animanda Rake's not there, they're both. I mean, the Dying God's kind of like, ah, oh, bummer. Uh, but Clip is like obviously very, very upset by it. But I think it was interesting to like see in in this POV that they are still kind of two separate entities um, and that Clip as a as a being is like functioning of his own will. And the Dying God is just kind of there being like, yeah, great job. Keep going. Yeah. This is one of those times when they cut inside to like the antagonist point of view or someone this point of view you don't usually have. And I'm like fascinated and want to know more. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Back inside Dragnipper, we see what is going on with the tattoos, the godling, kind of this whole confrontation and climax. The godling tries to stab, cut a spa. Oh, well, yeah. So, AJ, what did you make of this sequence? This was it was kind of stupid. I was like, <laughs> like, I don't know. I just like the the thing formed around Animander Rake and, you know, he didn't see it was coming. And Caspa's like, Aha, I win. And it's like, you obviously don't like you clearly don't. You know, looking at it from like, I'm reading a book. I know that <laughs> this isn't I, I don't know. I, I felt pretty confident that this isn't how Animander Rake's story was going to end, you know, with him being stabbed by a, a, a god, a crazy god or whatever. Um, I thought the conversation with Ditch or that ditch has with the godling of like, you know, you can exist for other people instead of just being for yourself. And the godling being like, what? Whoa, that's wild. Um, I thought that was, I don't know, good, I guess. Um, I think it really just drives home the whole idea that we've been talking about this whole book of Animanda Rake just being the best, most selfless person to ever exist ever. And, and, you know, his, his, his influence or whatever rippling outward. I don't know. So, you, you know, I'm, it's just kind of silly. I think, not silly, but just I was just kind of like, yeah, all right. Sure. Did you end up liking Ditch as a character? Uh, yeah, I always, always kind of interested in Ditch um, this whole time. I wouldn't say even now, I wouldn't say I like like Ditch. You know, I enjoyed the scenes with Ditch in them, but I feel like we don't really super know a whole lot about Ditch as a character. And especially since he's been just like up on the top of the cart, he's kind of just been there you know, I don't know, going through some like uh, unknowable God stuff, you know, just like in in, in his fields or whatever. Um, uh, I would say weirdly Ditch but, is one of my top 10 favorite characters. Shout out. Really? Yeah, I think it's a it's it's a, I don't know. I think the storyline's pretty interesting, uh, but Ditch but is a, a character. I'm not. So but AJ, about. I would agree. We know not that much about him, but shout out. He's my guy. <laughs> shout out. Love uh, it. I love that for you. <laughs> Um, okay, so India then Rake is there and this is kind of his last moment. So what's uh, how did this kind of strike you and Amanda Rake's last kind of sacrifice, so to speak? Um, depressing, but like yeah. also dramatic. Very dramatic. Like so Animator Rake's like so dramatic. He's always got a passion for flair. Uh, fl- you know. uh, yeah, flair for the dramatic. Yeah, yeah. Can we just like clarify what happened? Like he sure. needed the eye of the godling, which then let him connect to Karald Galane somehow. Like what? And he sacri- and he had to dissolve himself. It was very confusing. Then he like becomes darkness and then. Yeah, I'm just, Mother I guess, Dark's confused. There. I'm but just Mother conf- Dark was also like on her way to him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I just like, I guess the power of the eye is what really got me of like, oh, I, I don't know. It's just just interesting. I have yeah. to tell you, the whole like Animander Rake, Mother Dark relationship, whatever's going on there, it just feels like it's over my head or so there's something I'm not getting. I mean, it feels mm-hmm. like I should be connecting with something and I don't really connect with it. I don't really get it, to be honest. Important question. 
Have you read Carcanus, and does that fucking go into it at all? I have not read Carcanus, uh, and I believe it is addressed. Um, okay. Or I got to say, if it's not addressed, what are those books about? <laughs> <You know? laughs> Thank you. Okay, good. Good. Well, I know the first one. Didn't Steve tell us the first one doesn't have Anna Rake in it at all? <laughs> I don't know. Sounds about right. Actually, it's the, the book it, it's actually about Carcanus, but the Tisty Andy aren't in it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. Josh, uh, Namander shows up. We talked about it briefly before. Did you like this ending for Namander storyline? Do you feel like um, this <sighs> this this journey, this confrontation at the temple? I don't know how I feel about the Namander storyline because I I feel like this book he really. Mm, let me think on it the the literal time that he exists in this book he does like such a crazy amount of character growth that it's almost a little unbelievable compared to last book where they are like trudging through bullshit together and like my memory's probably wrong but i don't remember him getting like you know i don't remember him being this like leader type character so much last book and then in this book he just kind of becomes the king at later you know he becomes the de facto second anamander rake and it feels a little uh, i i want to say rush and i think it's just because like we see them in such short snippets i thought the scene of him arriving and kind of you know helping and and saving the day is, is cool and learning like wait a minute arantha's mother dark like that was fucking funny because we've known for some time that she's something but i did not expect her to be the literal god that everyone's <laughs> looked for for fucking eight books so i don't know i have very mixed feelings on it i, I think on a reread i would probably appreciate his journey a bit more i also feel like he went from reluctant leader to fuck you on the leader like Ain't never, he's never that aggressive about it, but he went from like reluctant to like, yes, I am your leader now, like really quickly. I guess the people dying does that. Yeah, I think, Josh, it's a it's a mirror of, you know, Anamander Rake's final sacrifice. You know, Draconis has this whole thing about like Mother Dark, you have to look at him now because everything he did wasn't for him. It was for you and for the Tistiandi and for everybody else. So I think now Namander is kind of adopting that role of like, I'm doing it for everybody else. Yeah, I guess his reluctance to lead is kind of the good thing, I guess. Right. right. Yeah. yeah, you don't want to give power to someone who wants it. Exactly. Yeah. This kind of gate to crawled Galane is kind of formed. Mother Dark's here. And there's kind of a scene between Endist and Mother Dark. AJ, what did you, what did you, how did you read this scene? What did it mean to you? Uh, I mean, it's, um, it's like the, oh, fuck. What was his name? The candle kid from last book. Bent. Bent. Beak. Beak. It's kind of like the beak scene at the end of, or, you know, in, in, in Bone Hunters of like, we're just kind of seeing him be passed on to the next life or whatever. That's kind of how I read it. Like, Endis is kind of also becoming one with, with dark or, 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 or that whole thing, you know? Um, sure. So it's just kind of, you know, this, this servant, the the large power being accepted by the large power of like you've done a great job pat pat come with me uh that's kind of how i was mm-hmm. i read mm-hmm. it yeah i just i kind of like the imagery and of course then there's a little oh, more yeah the river imagery is great L- little river imi- a little more no, river imagery yeah that was yeah. good yeah. little dorson real shout out yeah the, um, the, yeah i liked i liked that so India next is kind of the uh, Saland is attacking Ekovian and then 
she Ekovian kind of embraces her. What did you make of this uh, as the end of Salon's story and her kind of Ekovian kind of taking on her burden, so to speak? This also was um, I feel like I keep saying this, but this also was confusing. I felt good about it, I guess, because um, I felt bad for Saland because really none of like this really wasn't her fault. No, not at so all. So it's like sad that like she's so shitty because like it's really not her. So I think it was like, I guess, a, as good an ending as we could have hoped for. So how did you feel about it from the Ekovian end? Obviously, here he's taking a very active role in kind of redeeming, yeah, re- not redeeming someone, so to speak, but um, embracing them. Oh, my God, I'm over it. She's over it? What do I'm you mean? I'm so mm-hmm. sick of it. Yeah, he's so nice and helpful and good <laughs> and redeeming. And he just, he's the redeemer. I'm over it. Ekovian right. is just annoying, uh, and I... Can't get past it. Can't get past it. Josh, what do you think? I don't really have strong thoughts on it. I thought it was nice. <laughs> that was cool. Um, I'm sure the storyline's over. So, all right. So, well, inside yeah. then, Whiskey Jack and Draconis are talking a little bit, and this is our first time really seeing Whiskey Jack talk in a bit. Um, Can yes, I ask a question. Sir? Okay. Someone comments on whiskey jack saying i wonder why he's going by iskar jirak a seven cities name that's pretty weird do we know anything like is that because he's from seven cities people don't know that or is this a thing to come up later peter i don't understand your question um (laughs) i was just trying to make sure like i know everything there is to know about whiskey jack i like i thought he was from the normal malazan empire not from the seven cities because that wasn't conquered until he was a soldier in with the malazan army yeah, well, first off, I don't know what you mean by normal Malzahn Empire, but if you, uh, he is not from Seven Cities, if that's what you mean. Um, okay. At least I'm pretty sure about that. And I don't think his name is like obvious. Maybe Iskar Jarek is like a distinctive Seven Cities sounding name, is what they're getting at. Okay. I was confused. Talk brought it up, and I was like, that's a weird thing to bring up right in this moment, unless it's going to come back later. But yeah, well, that's thanks to, I mean, we know it's a Seven Cities name in a very meta sense because we talk to the, like, there's the tribesmen and they talk about the bridge. And I think, do they use Iskar Jarek's yes, name there? Yes, they do. Thank you for reminding me that, Peter. Yes. Do they use Iskar Jarek's name or do, do they, they just say, call they him? Say, they say Iskar Jarek. And, we, so, and I, one of us put together that was probably Whiskey Jack and it was a fun different trip. That was you. It was you. Um, But I I agree. I'm not 100% sure why it's like this is a distinctive Seven Cities name, but I guess it's maybe just context we don't have. All right. Thank you. I totally forgot that they called him that. Thank you so much. Did you have any thoughts about this conversation while they're kind of mourning... rake it's it's kind of the start of a series of chapters where we're sorry sorry it's a series of scenes where we're kind of mourning in amanda rake we see them we see uh people in Darugistan, and then we see of course them make a barrow for him yeah i mean i i just thought it was a nice moment we have a lot of very powerful characters in this series die and they don't always get the ending they deserve right in the moment so it was nice for Amanda rake to actually you know get that thought he earned it mm. Yeah, it's I, I think so too. And then we see um well we, we we there's a whole procession through the city. AJ did this strike you? Yeah, I mean it's it's sad. Um you know, I think it's pretty poetic that Caladan Brood is the one that brings him to the barrow and stuff. Um mm-hmm. I liked it. 
Uh, Mark marks the barrow with the word grief. Grief, yeah. In in uh, Bargast. Bargast, which I forgot or maybe didn't know that is Caladan brewed a Bargast. No, I just think uh, they're uh, he just wrote it. Allies right. related on the continent. In my mind, they've spent time together. Yeah, I mean, I guess the barrow the barrow thing is like a Tablor, like Toblakai slash Bargast thing. They're all like the same lineage, right? Yeah. So, uh, India, do you have anything you would like to add about the procession of Andamander Rake's body? No, good guy. Good guy. Good dude. dude. Shout out. (laughs) So then let's talk about the actual conversation Karsa has um, Mm. with his daughters and Samar's there. What did you make of this scene, India? It was bizarre. (laughs) Okay, tell me more. Oh, God, wait, no, they're sisters and aunt and niece, I just realized. Okay. Oh. So I find, I have a, okay. Mm. Okay. What? Okay. It, it's really hard to, this was weird and I didn't like it. And I just, I wish that the daughters, I just wish that this whole thing didn't happen because it's first of all, really weird for like the, the, a rapist to be like for daughters to be like, hey, dad, like we really want to meet you. And that's just so fucking weird. And also it was like a mother and a daughter. And he was like and then and then Samar's like, oh, like and then he's like, well, it was my right. And she was like, yeah, but like, no, you like did not do an OK thing. And he's like, well, I have regrets or whatever. But I, I was young, but I don't regret my daughters. And it's like, what? Like. The whole thing was weird. I I felt I felt really bad about it. Like I don't know if it was supposed to be like sweet. I don't know. It came off as icky, and I really didn't like it. I hated it. It was awkward. I couldn't like. Yeah, I can't I, connect. I couldn't connect. I was horrified. I don't think this is a moment where we're meant to see Karsa as like some sort of soft-hearted nice guy or whatever. I think it's meant to be like wild. You know this this part of his past is is exists and is now here and he has to deal with it. Well, I feel like Samar um, was kind of be a little bit like maybe he's not so bad. I don't know. I don't know. Love makes you say crazy things. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Do you do you feel like Samar is like thinks it's like charming for him to, to say? No, that? I, I just re- feel I like really... she's like, that's my man. Like, I'm going to stand by my man. And what he maybe he's not so bad. Yeah, I do. Really? Maybe he maybe he is capable of like feeling bad about things. And she says that all the time. Like, it's always about that. I don't know. I think she I I, I read this as her just being like surprised that he has regrets. But I don't think like. Oh, I I didn't think it was like. No, maybe not. Thank goodness he he feels bad about it. Who am I? Because like right before he says he has regrets, she's talking about the way that claiming a right so often results in someone else losing theirs. That's a great line. Uh, it's a, it's very good. Yeah, that is a great line. And then when he says like, you know, it was tribal war and I was young and she's and I think this is her kind of laughing at him like oh, you're actually telling me you regret this. Mm-hmm. Like, like, I've never seen you regret something. It's nice that you are re- regretting this, I guess. But like, it's not she's not I don't think she's really letting him off the hook, really. Josh, what do you think? It's weird, and I'm happy that he has regrets, but it's still weird. Yeah. 
yeah as i as i stated those two people are both sisters and aunt slash niece sure i feel like you're getting hung up on the on the wrong part of it josh (laughs) i disagree (laughs) disagree that's very funny josh um Listen, India. I mean, I'm in agreement with you. As you know, I am the uh, the uh, a harsh Carsa critic, and to me, when people are like, "Oh, he's reformed. He's changed a lot. He's like a good guy." I mean, I read this scene and feel like he does not come across as a good guy whatsoever. And I think I've made a mistake. Is like the lowest bar for accountability for for being a rapist. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I, I I don't know I totally get feeling weird about the scene. Um, it's um it's interesting. I guess AJ it looks end- like you wanted to follow up about something. No, they, it ends with Picker saying that you have a mission to go kill a god, and he says, "Okay, yeah. which one?" <laughs> Poor Picker, fucking put on some cool banglet bangles, you know, like seven oh. years ago, and now she's fucking ride or die with Treach forever. <laughs> Yeah, we should talk about that a little bit. I feel like I kind of lost track of that. Um, I will say, in a way that I almost wish the Chalice storyline ended this way, I feel like the Karsa being confronted by his daughter's thing is the start to more story, you know? It's like, this isn't... I don't feel like that's the end of that. Do you know what I mean? It feels like, okay, this is setting up more story, and I almost wish the Chalice storyline also was like, okay... Yeah, well, a whole new complicated chapter of Chalice's life is beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously, it does not end that way. So, all right, someone else pivot us to something. I got to pick up something from the ground. Okay. All right. While Peter's picking something up off the ground, <laughs> India. No. Do you ever see Cotillion as like your direct supervisor at work who's not an idiot and Shadow Throne is the one above them who like you have no fucking clue how they got there? yeah and you're just like oh yeah that's kind of the vibe i get from them yeah agreed 100 percent. makes you wonder how uh kalenved created an entire empire maybe he just kind of like fucking lucked his way into it you never know i, I mean with with people like dancer at your side you know you don't need to you know it's that's the same true. situation they're in now where like cotillion you, is actually like a capable person and shadow exactly. thrones like yes absolutely if you <laughs> give me if you give me 20 assassins i too could create a pretty <laughs> right. formidable empire i'm yeah. sure yeah, I am curious. Uh, Cotillion says things are out of their hands until the end. I'm curious what that means. Well, they th- look, they've played their card, right? This was the big one. They stopped chaos. I, yeah. You know, I guess maybe if these chaos forces were part of the crippled God who has said to be like the God of chaos, then mm-hmm. maybe there was a really bad problem with them getting to Curled Glane and they could just like create eternal darkness or destroy darkness. Who fucking knows? So maybe like this was their big play to kind of break this off. And now it's up to these gods of war to do their thing. Yeah. It's hard to say. Yeah, I guess we, we have had a lot of war god talk. A lot the, of war the, god talk in this book. In the end of this. Yeah. And Gruntle's there and Pick, now yep, Sam Ardev. Yep. Picker's gonna got Picker went had to go get Carsa to help with that. We had the war bear god. Yeah. You know, maybe we need to wake up, burn. Who fucking knows? Yeah. Yeah. Josh, what do you think? Go ahead. I was just going to ask, what do you think about about uh, Crocus uh, hitching hitching a ride with Spite back to Seven Cities? We're just going back across the ocean, baby. We're heading back. You know, I think I think I think Cutter now Crocus has grown a lot 
and I'm excited to see where his story goes. Although, Josh, I'm, let me Josh, let me cut in. You say he's grown a lot. What do you think he learned this book? That um, why are you like this? You can't just you can't just leave and tell us pick up the pieces and then come back and immediately throw hard questions at us. Okay, yeah, well, sorry, I just wanted to know what you thought about the book we read, Josh. No, that's fine. I'm going to do the sorry, Peter thing, we're though, talking and about I'm going to book just, on the podcast. I'm going to get upset by this question and deflect, and then I'm going to just stop talking until the next question's asked. <laughs> uh, Solara and Barathal kiss. It's Finally. True, they kissed. Hooray. We waited like seven chapters for it. Yeah. Do you think it's going to be a happily ever after? I think we're not going to see them again. Nah, I think we'll see them in, no, in, you're in, right. at, least, at, the... in at least an epilogue. <laughs> oh, no, they're going to be important because we've got to come back here because there's all this talk about uh, at the towards the end with Vorkin and, and uh, Baruch talking about the, the tyrants were trying to come back. So we're going to come back here at some point. Char is going to have to get looked into. Skipping so. ahead, Josh. You're skipping ahead. I'm sorry, but I, I had made a statement we wouldn't see him again, and I'm fucking wrong. We're definitely coming back to Rudistan. Then Krupp says that love is in the air. We see various people. Um, Picker and Blender together. Escarl Pust's there. <laughs> the Noms return home. And Krupp is kind of narrating the story. And who makes his way home to end the chapter? Harlow gets home. Now, what's up, though? Where's this little boy who saved him? He died. Right, right, right. No, 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 no. The little boy who saved him, not the guy oh, from the, the one mining that showed camp. Up? Yeah, that's yeah. Mystery. Is he with him? Because he does like, quote unquote, talk. Like he intri- he says something to the boy who died, and I'm like, did you just? Is the weird? Is the little boy here? And you've named him that guy's name? I so many questions on that front. No, I think when Harlow was is talking about the city to to uh, Banisk, I think that's just like a poetic like yeah thing i i thought that too but i'm so uh, where is this fucking random boy from the woods yeah that's a good question that's <laughs> a good know. question who's to say um i don't you know what i'm not gonna say anything <laughs> <laughs> okay i i love this part when harlow comes back it made me it made me cry uh, tell me about nice. it yeah are, are you saying tell me about it like you agree or tell me about it like actually tell you about it no actually tell me about it no i mean i you know, honestly, it's kind of a storyline I forgot with all the crazy shit going on. And and I, I, I don't know. I just I, I just liked it a lot. And um, Stoney starts crying and he says, no, I've come home. That's what this is. It's me coming home. Uh, it's just <laughs> she says, I have no good memories of that time. Nothing good came of it. And he says, that's not true. That's not true. There was me, uh, so which is sad. just I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's sad, but also, you know. She has also said as much and for him to, I don't know, like, I don't think he's like realizing her, 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 her feelings for him. He's like, no, I am a good thing. Bitch. Like, appreciate me. Yeah. Uh, which I think is, you know, a tough boundary to set for a five year old, but I right. think a necessary one. So I, you know, I, I really, I really liked it. Um, and then for him to end with C. Banisk, this is my mother is just like, oof, oof, man. Yeah, I think it's a powerful reflection of obviously earlier when he's being chased, he's like, I'm unlovable. No one loves me. And then he finds that within himself and kind of through that is able to help his mother. Yeah. um, Which is probably more than a five year old should be asked to do in a sense. Yeah, absolutely. But um, life's hard sometimes. Life's hard. Good shit. 
and uh, Moose, yeah. Yeah, so we are really doing it. So, AJ, quick bump a tune. We'll do the epilogue, then we'll get out of here. He's gone. Okay. Yes. Okay, so, uh, India, we're in Black Coral. Did it shock you that Namander was chosen to be the leader? Pissed. (laughs) (laughs) And I heard you, I heard your little laugh in there. Yeah, it did fucking shock me, but no, because you all said it. To be honest, the whole setup here, he's been the leader technically the whole time, although he did nothing. He just kind of fucking stumbled upon this. But, yeah, I'm annoyed. Good for him. Whatever. Yeah. Everyone else is kind of rebuilding there. Um, Josh, do you think we'll see from these people again? Oh, that's actually a really good question. I feel like more than almost any other storyline, this one is pretty wrapped up. But I I feel like we'll have to see Amanda. I mean, the Tisti Ander are still such a dominant force in the world. Like, it would be crazy to not see them again. So, but their shit's Mm. been solved. They got their, they got Mother Dark back. So, I don't know, Josh. I feel like they might be done. So, Maybe that's what Carcanus is about. They rebuild their city there at uh, whatever this place is called. Black Oral. So, AJ, uh, we also see Kaladin Brood break Dragonburn. Yeah. The end of the sword. Uh, I mean, he begins to break it. We technically don't see him actually break it, so it could not be broken, you know. Yeah. <laughs> True. No, yeah. Um, I thought that was cool. That's, that's all I got from that. I thought it was cool that he's breaking the sword. Uh, Vorkan and Baruch are talking about a whole thing that I don't fully remember. They're talking about the Torrid Cabal. Yeah. Is that what you mean? That's from the first book, right? Fucking yeah, it's Christ. A whole thing. And uh, yeah, well, we, we can just leave that. Josh, um, there's also a bit of a mention that Draconis is back. Yes. I, I was almost brought this up earlier, but it's like the big thing. Where are they? So cute. I mean, Draconis would be back. It would mean that uh, would Hood be back? I can't Probably. remember. Right? Everyone in there should be back. So Hood should have returned. Does that mean Traveler's going to go try and fucking kill him again? I don't know. Unclear. But uh, I'm so ecstatic to see. where. But like, where, the, where are they going to be? I don't know. Maybe uh, where are maybe they with be? all the shit we left last book. Uh, maybe they'll show up with the Bone Hunters. All right, AJ. And we return to the campfire and Kruppa finishes narrating the book. He does a little dance. Mm-hmm. What do you think of kind of Krupp wrapping the whole thing up? I mean, I think it was good. What do you, what do you mean? What do I think of it? Just like, you know what? Let's leave it. Cause I just want to get into the bigger Krupp narrating the book uh, uh, impressions, but yeah. we should do that yeah. next week for our In two weeks. mailbag wrap up. Um, listen, thanks so much for listening to this extra yeah, size Jesus. episode for a big finale of Toll the Hounds. I mean, a huge ending yeah. to a huge book. Um, we are going to be talking about the uh, answering mail. You know the drill. It's in two weeks. So uh, get in that mail. AJ will tell you more in the outro. Um, yeah. We're all going to go eat. We got stuff to do. I hope you're having a great day. I say come. You say passion. Come. Passion. passion. Hello, everybody. Producer AJ here, right here. 
thank you so much for listening to this episode of the podcast. Like Pete just said, in two weeks, we will be doing our Toll the Hounds wrap-up slash mailbag show, which means we want to hear your thoughts and we want to answer your questions about Toll the Hounds and this season of the podcast. So you can get your submissions in by next week, August 26th. That is seven days from the release of this episode uh, via our Twitter at 10 books, our email 10 books at gmail.com or in the mailbag channel in our discord bit.ly slash VBB discord. That's capital V capital B capital B capital D discord. Uh, all those links will also be in the show notes. Please get your submissions in by next week, August 26th. Uh, thank you to all of our wonderful patrons over on Patreon. If you'd like to financially support the show, you can head on over to patreon.com slash 10 very big books. We have something really special planned that'll start in the next couple of weeks. So you should be looking forward to that. If you are a fan of certain media adaptations of fantasy works, uh, the link to our Patreon also in the show notes. And as always, thank you so very much to Dan Gezerick for making our spectacular cover art. You can follow him on Twitter at A underscore W underscore Dan G for a Flyers graphic that I just cannot make sense of. And of course, the wonderful music in today's episode is by the one, the only Amaranthin from his album Simulant Rain, which you can find along with his other music, including remixed intro and outro tracks for this very podcast uh, on Bandcamp.com. Links to their pages will be in the show notes and 10 very big books will be back in two weeks on September 2nd, reading your questions and comments on Toll the Hounds in our mailbag show. So get your questions in, please, by next week, August 26th. We'll talk to you then, and thank you so much for listening. <laughs>